Welcome to Night Cheese. This is Steven. And I'm Tim. And I'm Jared. And I'm so excited to be here for this. <laughs> We've been building to this all month. Uh, we're here to talk about, <laughs> I believe the formal title is Zack Snyder's Justice League, um, most commonly known around the internets as the Snyder Cut of Justice League. Uh, thank you for joining us this week for our episode titled A Cut Above. Um, you know, much like the content and quantity of film that we're going to be discussing tonight um we had multiple episode titles thrown up against the wall and just honestly had to pick one just so we could get started um rejected titles uh included uh the death and return of the snyder cut um hold on we where where, where was that third one jared uh like a, like a bad mustache Zack snyder digitally erases joss whedon yeah, and uh, also an alternate title for tonight's episode, Give Me All the Justice League You Have. Um, they all work. This is a big – there's room for everybody in this, uh, literally and figuratively, uh, in this in this episode and in this film. So um, right on with it. So Zack Snyder's Justice League, Justice League, of course, directed by Zack Snyder. Um, if you're just joining us for the first time for this podcast, I would invite you to um, scroll back a couple episodes through our archives. This month we've been doing uh, Zack Snyder-based DC films in preparation for Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, we've gone through Man of Steel, through Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, and we even threw in um, Patty Jenkins' first Wonder Woman film last week. And so uh, here we are. We've arrived at Zack Snyder's Justice League. Came out this year, 2021. Just came out last week. Um, and obviously directed by Zack Snyder, available on HBO Max. It is a um, four-hour film. So if you're not in the know on this, so uh, 20... 17, I believe it was, um, brought us the co-directed Zack Snyder, Joss Whedon Justice League film. Um, so this was, you know, meant to be the sort of culmination of all these DC films put together. Uh, and I think was even hoping to spin off into a couple more solo films for other heroes. Um, but tragedy struck the Snyder family. Um, Zack Snyder was initially going to be carrying this film as well the first time around, but uh, due to a death in his family, his uh, daughter, I think to be specific, he had stepped away from the project and the, and rather than shelve the production, or make any other choices, the studio brought in Joss Whedon, who had directed the first two uh, Marvel Avenger films, uh, The Avengers and Age of Ultron, to uh, finish the uh, finish the project. And uh, the project was uh, mediocre, to, to be generous, I think, um, with, with crowds, because uh, at this point, the DC universe had received some kind of public criticism for its tone um, compared to Marvel, and I think even compared to its source material a little bit. And then they brought in Joss Whedon, who um, had been known for a little bit more of his humorous takes um, on, on the characters. And so um, bringing him in and... Um, bringing his flavor into this existing property. And I think that's something I'm, or one of the things I know, at least from my vantage point, we'll get into tonight is reading this film 
in the context of the universe for better or worse that Zack Snyder's built. Um, those two just didn't really mesh well together. Their visions, I think. And so, you know, you get a really uneven film. The, uh, the Rotten Tomato score on the old Justice League film is not great. Uh, however, this one, while it's only been out for less than a week, um, has a much higher rating. It's got a, a critic rating of 74%. And... <laughs> This was a very crowd-supported film. Um, had a lot of, lot of um, support on from the online community, and its audience score currently sits at ninety-six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And on IMDb, it has a crowd score of eight point four, which currently has it in IMDb's top two hundred and fifty films. Um, just, 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 just to let you guys know, it's currently at number one hundred and twenty above the following three films: uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, Up, Disney Pixar's Up, and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. As so it uh, be. <laughs> let it let it be quantified that. Just Zack Snyder's almost at Just Whedon's. Zack Snyder's Justice League is better than all three of those films. Disregard what we said in November about Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. We have a new, uh, we 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 have a new uh, king on the cinematic throne here, and um, it's a four-hour-long throne. So, whew, um, <laughs> that felt like a mouthful, and. And this movie's brand new, so I don't even have to go through all like the potential awards it's going to be nominated for, in certain things. Um, obviously, all the cast is back from your current films. You know, Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill, Amy Adams, Gal Gadot, Ray, Ray Fisher uh, comes new into quotations new um, into this uh, into this narrative as, as Cyborg, uh, Jason Momoa as Aquaman, Ezra Miller as the Flash, um, and then some of your others from the other Jesse Eisenberg, Will, uh, Jeremy Irons, Diane Lane, um, to, uh, Connie Nielsen, etc. So uh, anyway, um, so here we are, um, Snyder Cut. Uh, you know, if you've I don't know, guys. You know, it, it, you'd have to be. From what I presume of our listenership, I feel like you have to be pretty close to, if not under a rock, to know that this film was coming um, and to not have even the mildest interest in it, whether that is uh, optimistic or pessimistic um, or just let me check this out and see where it's going. So um, I want to go ahead and wrap up my technical talk that I always do at the beginning of every episode because there's just – a lot. I feel like there's a lot to talk about. There certainly was a lot to watch. Um, and I'm just saying that objectively, I'm not saying that's necessarily a good or bad thing. Um, but what do you, what do you say, fellas? Um, either one of you, Jared, I mean, you, 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 I think you're just a minute away from shaking, rocking back and forth getting ready to jump (laughs) on the mic. So why why don't you you go ahead and and give us, give us your story. Um, and take take the reins because yeah. my throat hurts already. And I yeah, yeah. To, to throw a wrestling reference in here, I'm like I'm I'm the ultimate warm warrior, you know, in the back cutting the promo, and I'm ready to just charge down the, the aisle. Shake waiting for ring. your music to hit, shake baby. The, yeah, waiting yeah. for the music to to hit. <laughs> charge down the aisle, shake the ropes, and then deliver like six minutes of disappointment. Um, <laughs> so I I think. I, I was the most hyped probably of, of anybody f- for this, but not because I thought it was going to be good. Uh, like <laughs> well, I was just, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, 
but just just from the fact that it was just such a bizarre story that we've never seen anything like this where uh i mean you mentioned it what happened with with the film where you know it was going to be Zack Snyder's film it's, it's it's not really a trilogy because he had i mean it may end up being a trilogy with man of steel and batman v superman because they may not make any more movies or they weren't intending to make any more in that sort of Snyder verse after this. Um, but you know, but it, we were, it was going to be the third movie in the set. And then, you know, tragically is his daughter passed away. Uh, I think it was. And, um, so then they brought in Joss Whedon and it was, it was just weird. Um, the tones did not mesh at all. They tried to, they tried to shoehorn in this sort of Avengers type tone and, and vibe and it just didn't work. Um, and then I don't remember, maybe we can look it up, see where it was of, of where they announced that there would be, um, that they were going to let Zack Snyder present his version. Do you remember? It, did you... it came, I know it came at some point around the time where Warner brothers was announcing the sort of HBO max That's movie right. theater co-venture. Like I think it, if anything, I might be making this up, but I think that might've been the marquee announcement mm-hmm. of that because there were, you know, um, we, we talked about this months ago, a couple months ago. Now it feels like anyways, um, where the slate of 2021 theatrical releases was going to be released month by month on HBO max. And I think, you know, the, the cherry on top of that announcement was they had greenlit, Zack Snyder's Justice League, and it was going to be exclusively streaming on HBO Max. Right, right. Which and and to me, more than anything else, just said like, oh, oh man, they really have nothing to to plug <laughs> this thing with. They are just desperate <laughs> to try to have something for this here. Like, okay, all right. Uh, but you know, but but the the thought was like, I mean, how different can it really be? Um, and so I thought we were going to get like maybe fifteen percent different footage. Um, and, and then this is just going to be basically, you know, there's going to be lighting differences and maybe a few scenes here are are different here and there. And kind of what got me hyped up so, so much about it was the fact that everyone else was so hyped up for something that I thought was going to be just a colossal disappointment. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. Compared to, you know, what, what they were hyping it up to be and, and thought it was going to be. So I've been super excited to, to see it, but not because, you know, I thought it was going to be great. I'm going to look like an even bigger fool now because they won the Super Bowl. But it made me feel like all the Tampa Bay Buccaneer fans when Tom Brady signed with them. <laughs> like that, that this this analogy does not reflect well upon me now, um, <laughs> given how that turned out. But at the time. Right. You know, you were either a Tampa Bay fan or you felt like you were a realist, you right. know, like, OK, listen, I know he's the most decorated quarterback in, in NFL history, but the wheels have to fall off at some time. And Tampa Bay is where quarterbacks kind of it's not it's not Detroit, but it is where quarterbacks go to hit the twilight of their career, perhaps, or if they get started at all. So, you know, and it felt, yeah, yeah, that weird, crazy excitement. I felt like it was sort of DC fanboyism. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way, because I'm definitely an MCU fanboy, whether I would admit it to myself or not. I'll just go ahead and do that. I mean, I'm quick to defend them in all kinds of ways. Um, and the, um, 
but I was just puzzled. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm happy for you guys, you guys being the DC fanboys, that that you're going to get what you always wanted because mm-hmm. I mean, because I'm just not a cruel person anymore. <laughs> um, too old for that. Um, if you but, say so, uh, I mean, uh, of the, not, not you, but I mean the age thing. in general. You know, oh, I'm I just, yeah, well, <laughs> I just had, I had so much opportunity to empty all my cruelty out in the past several years. I think, you know, it's just it kind of feel, feel tapped out from it. I guess um, I've been softened. In, in a, I'm, in a I'm the years. Snyder cut of cruelty. It just keeps going. You know? Yeah. It just keeps going <laughs> more epilogues than return of the King. Now the, um, uh, and here's the, so I was happy for for those fans who'd been clamoring for it because you know it's it, and it's I felt like it's pretty harmless. I'm like okay, HBO Max is going to put it on, cool. Um, I'm I mean I'm always kind of a sucker for a platform like HBO Max being sort of the hub for all things of one universe. That's super convenient uh and things and so but i kept just seeing like and even even jared you brought this up a few days before it dropped even like how fans are just like oh yeah because this is gonna be so dark and everything Mm -hmm. and i'm like that's that's the thing i've been complaining about all month you know and 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 you even said like i think it was ign or somebody was like like so f word i'm like really like that's what you were looking for um, in this production. Like that's what you're looking yeah. forward to. But you know what's weird, you guys? And I mean, if you felt differently, that's fine. I felt like this was one of the least dark of right. what Snyder did. And, you know, we talk about, you know, I talked about, you know, I'm getting old and I'm less cruel and stuff. And I don't want to project things onto Zack Snyder. But I, I don't know at what point his vision was what it was mm-hmm. for Justice League. And I don't know what his daughter and what happened to her played a role in, in how he operates as a filmmaker. Now I'm sure it has some sort of an impact, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if him dealing with that Mm -hmm. helped reshape the way he saw this project, because yes, it is long and it is visually dark in places, but the undercurrent of this film is Mm -hmm. so surprisingly hopeful right that was the Um, word that was the word i came away thinking about like man that was hopeful and and i wonder too not to compare this to to you know what happened with his daughter but just the whole process of how just unexpectedly against all odds he got to do this in the first place and yeah. and make his, you know, end up making his movie after all, if that, you know, sort of played into it, too. Well, what a crazy parallel. Um, and, and, and forgive me if this sounds like I'm cheapening the value of someone's life. I don't mean it that way. But I, I feel like I have a lot more respect for Zach. Zack Snyder still has all his Zackiest <laughs> Snyderist stuff in this movie. Don't don't get me wrong. <laughs> but I've gained a lot more respect for him. Yeah. Um, because it's almost like he went back and saw and studied Man of Steel and Batman v Superman and 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 brought back the best instead of listening almost to the critics of things instead of listening to the negativity, which, which don't get me wrong, was applicable in, in those films. It's almost like, he's like, let me go back and see what worked really well. Mm-hmm. And let me find what worked really well and amplify that or flesh it out or try to bring it to its natural narrative completion. And I got to wonder, um, cause this film, especially the first half of it 
is very much about a man dealing with his guilt over the death of somebody else mm-hmm. and the lengths and desperation he will go to to get what he has lost and bring it back. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much he thought about his daughter during that, but like you said, Jared, I mean, this project was dead. And the complete implausibility that it could get resurrected from that. And, you know, we have the story Batman, you know, you know, Ben Affleck's Batman is is leading the and, and like it's it's weird. Some people call this. I think when this movie was being talked about, some people would say, like, oh, is it kind of like a director's cut or like an extended edition? It's, it's just a different thing. Like it's it's yeah. it's. It, it, it's all these scenes and stuff plus more rearranged yeah. to tell the same overarching story, yeah. like just maybe main plot points, but it's I, filled in with completely different. It's like, it's like a chocolate cake, except the inner layers are all different flavors now yeah. or something, you know, <laughs> I feel like this, I don't know. calling it a Snyder cut really undersold it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like it made it yeah. seem like, yeah, like what you both are saying, like maybe some tweaks here and there, you know, they talked about, Early on, the house Steppenwolf's skin—I don't know skin. What's the right word? He looked Armor. different. You know, it, was, it seemed mm-hmm. like things like that. But yeah, it, it it is not in my mind like a different cut. It's just—it feels like a whole. It, it's like film. the it's characters like, you've seen feel. Go ahead, Jared. Sorry, I, I was just gonna say it's like it's like saying that it's like taking a trip, um, at like from Atlanta to Seattle, but in one version you like flew there. And then another version, you took this like crazy long road trip there. And so yeah. you Stopped started the giant rubber band in somewhere in Indiana. Yeah, you, you started at the same place and you ended up basically at the same place. And maybe but, you even passed through some of the same cities. And I you mean, passed through, yeah, some of the cities. But everything in between and you met different people and more time with them. And, and so it's, yeah, it, it's just, I mean, for all intents and purposes, and I did not go back and watch um, the first Justice League to compare. I intentionally, yeah. I thought about going back and watching it afterward. I did. Um, but I didn't go back and watch it beforehand because I didn't want that to kind that of a good idea. spoil what I was watching with this. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but in, in and, and again, I mean, it's been four years now since I've seen that, but it felt like as much of a completely different movie as you could have without just having a different movie. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like one more analogy and why all of my, in the words of Jack Donaghy, what a surprise your worldview is food based, but <laughs> I, I am, it's like taking the same ingredients and making two different dishes out of it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, pizza and lasagna are two different dishes, but they share a lot of the same ingredients or something, right? You know, like it's, mm-hmm. um, I'm not going to get much further cause I have no culinary skill whatsoever, but <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's like, um, or like an omelet and a cake, you know, like yeah. sure they both use eggs, but you get two completely different experiences out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so, I'm just so impressed with this movie. So let's, you guys want to dig in now, at least like I, I've, the first thing I want to say is starting right from the beginning, like both movies, Whedon and, and, and Snyder's cut both deal with the world's impact of, of Superman's death. But, you know, I, um, one of the biggest gripes I had with Batman v Superman is they never showed us the world having a reason to mourn him because like the last time we saw most of the public, they didn't like him very much. 
um, except for, you know, the, maybe the poorest of the poor and stuff and some shadow organizations within the military and stuff. But, but like, um, but this time they revisit his actual death in the opening scene and his scream is literally mm-hmm. heard around the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, unless visually that was such a, that was the Snyderiest yes. Snyder <laughs> thing. Yeah. And it, it just kept like over and over. Like I, 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 they went through like five different sonic booms of his yeah. death scream. And when we saw the trailer it, um, immediately, because because they used that. That's the first scene in uh, maybe it's the second trailer. It might have not have been the first trailer. I don't know. But I, I I think I sent it to both of you just laughing like, yeah, here we go. Here we go again. You know, the the whole, you know, basically the whole joke from uh, the second Deadpool movie where Deadpool says to Cable, you know, that's so dark. You must be from the DC universe, you know, and it's basically it's basically that joke where I saw that and I'm just like, all right, here we go. This is exactly what I thought it was going to be. But yeah, Yeah. you, you get this visual display of his impact on the world and and like his his death like creates mourning over over everything everything in the world and every kingdom i thought it was so cool that like you hear it in themiscira you hear it in atlantis and stuff and that's so that was such a such a neat thing and you um Part of the thing, and I'll probably say this again later, probably my biggest hang up with the movie and with this universe in general is that I feel like not just Snyder, but everybody involved in these productions um, that are decision makers, maybe trust the viewers too much to know more about the source material than we're supposed to know. Cause there's a lot of implications about things because seeing by the end of the movie, it makes more sense, but it's really neat that as he passes through his screen passes through all these worlds, the mother boxes start to activate mm. and you find out that like the, the, the mother boxes, I mean, they're, intergalactic MacGuffins. I mean, it doesn't really, it doesn't yeah. matter beyond that for the purposes of our conversation, but it's like they're, they are like afraid of mm-hmm. Superman in right. a way. Like they view him as a competent and worthy adversary and that adversary is gone. They are not worried about doing the things they do to attract the attention of, um, Steppenwolf and dark side and, and all these evil forces. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I just love the very beginning of that. Like, and, and, um, the, the only thing I would say is that like, I don't know that we really would be figuring that out while it's happening. Um, it kind of looks backwards though. I mean, I'm not looks backwards. You can look back as the film progresses and, and, and recognize that. But, um, but yeah, revisiting his actual death and seeing that happen instead of seeing mourning that's already occurring, I think is, is was a better choice. And I will say this, um, we'll talk about the music plenty, <laughs> um, tonight, but the, um, I think Snyder, Actually, even for, for all the interesting song choices he used in this movie, <laughs> um, he did, I think, rely more on score in certain places when Whedon didn't. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that was Whedon's decision or somebody else's decision, but, but, um, because they had used, I, I think a, a Leonard Cohen song in, in his version at the beginning when they were cutting through all the grieving, but he went with score instead uh, at that point. I thought it was much more effective. Well, and you also have something, you need to have something underneath the slow-mo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Always. <laughs> yeah. I was surprised to hear, I guess early on there were two, at least two, I don't, I think just two, uh, Nick Cave, so I was like, of yes. all people, which it multiple makes, Nick Cave songs, which it makes sense. I mean, it not makes sense. It's interesting because Nick Cave also lost his son at a, really? I guess as a teenager and like, I think a mountain climbing accident or something. Mm. And just, I mean, totally. I mean, he, it's, it's, I mean, it wrecked him. He, you know, I think at least a couple albums kind of dealing with the grief and it, it really just messed him up, but it just, it was weird. Like it felt so, such a deep cut, but it works. So I, I don't know. I was really well, shocked by that. Yeah. Surprisingly, um, those songs worked very effectively mm-hmm. for this movie, yeah. like almost on the nose in yeah. a couple yeah. of places. Like <laughs> yeah. one of them was talking about, you know, they said that God, our gods would never die, but they lied, you know. Mm-hmm. And then there's another one they used for Aquaman, which actually replaces a, a White Stripes song in the Joss Whedon mm-hmm. version, which I'm so glad they changed that because that was a tonal yeah. Mess um, in the Whedon version using uh, Icky Thump. If you're familiar with that song, that was a great song on oh, its own. Yeah. But it's terrible placement. In yeah, the movie. that was. Yeah, it's like it's like, hey, this is a Fast and Furious movie now, bro. Um, anyway, but yeah, no, they used another Nick Cave song there, talking about you know a king and a kingdom and all this stuff. But it's uh, anyway, strange stuff. Um, yeah. So we get. I feel like we get in this movie just more, you know, like some of these scenes are scenes that we've seen before, but you just get more of it, Um, different angles of it. And we get to actually see, I remember, I can't believe I remember this now, but in the trailers for the Whedon version, you get the shots that were actually used in the Snyder cut where um, uh, Bruce Wayne is making his way through the, Arctic or, or Iceland, I guess is what it is, but um, through the snow and stuff and coming up on this village um, rather than him just barging right into this bar looking for looking for Aquaman. Um, I felt like Batman came off less desperate and more intelligent this time, more like Batman. Mm-hmm. Like um, in this scene, like he still walked out not having achieved what he wanted, was just trying to recruit Aquaman to be part of the team. But... Um, I like the fact that he allows Aquaman and this Icelandic bartender or whoever he is to talk right in front of Bruce in another language. And the whole time Bruce knows the language, but just doesn't let on that he knows what they're saying, mm-hmm. um, which is just just a very it, that's one line of dialogue that that completely changes the complexion of, of Bruce not looking like a desperate idiot and mm-hmm. looking like someone who has control, even if he has failed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And I mean, I think the thing for me is it feels like, you know, not only did we get more, I mean, it, it feels to me like a different movie in the sense that all of a sudden we got a cyborg and flash movie yeah. with, with other characters around it. Whereas again, I'd have to go back and watch the Joss Whedon version it, it didn't seem like there was any sort of central anchor to all that. Like they, they kind of tried to make it Batman forming the league. 
Um, you know, but I mean, it wasn't Superman because I, you know, Superman doesn't show up till later flash and cyborg were just bit players in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they kind of tried to make it a, a Batman movie, but there just wasn't really enough there, yeah. you know, like emotionally to anchor it. And, and then in this one, it just seems like we got a, you know, mainly cyborg, I guess, movie and, but also kind of flash and those stories were the were what really kind of anchored the the more emotional part of it yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah. And they are um, they operate more as a team yeah. in this one. Like it, yeah. they do feel like they carry a lot of shared weight in this yep. movie. Like like you said, those guys just aren't sitting in the background. I loved um, Cyborg's story arc in the, in this movie and. Um, I understand Ray Fisher's frustration. I mean, if you've been online, yeah. all, you know, he's he's got a real justified axe to grind against Joss Whedon and Warner Brothers, and um, it's a shame that he's not going to get any follow up. I would have loved. I, I I admit, even even loving his story arc here, I don't know how much of a cyborg solo movie I'd be interested right. in. But I would have loved him if they're going to make a Flash movie to have him be in it, kind of like a kind of like a Thor Ragnarok, like yeah. he's a supporting yeah. character in that movie who's maybe even co-starring uh, in a way. Because those two have a lot of chemistry and having, you know, just started Falcon and Winter Soldier this weekend. I mean, you know, they I feel like those two have a potential for that sort of, you know, buddy um, relationship, um, albeit <laughs> I never thought I'd say this more lighthearted. Um, <laughs> but um, the um, I uh, and again, like Snyder going to Snyder. But like the, when he, um, when Cyborg, you know, he, um, he has a tumultuous relationship with his father and, and, you know, he's lost his mother and, and, you know, his father is somewhat more, you know, it kind of, he feels like his father's morally responsible for that by being absent from their life, at least in, in this moment and stuff. And, um, when he begins to learn about what his mechanics can do, uh, Zack Snyder has this big, you know, visual effects sequence of his, of his father's voice narrating, you know, very much kind of an uncle Ben speech, you know, that you'd get out of a Spider-Man kind of thing. But, but, um, the way it visualizes what he can, what he can do with his power is really impressive. Um, and I think, yeah, like Jerry, you're talking about, you know, like the heart uh, of the movie and stuff. There's this one moment where, you know, he learns he can manipulate financial institutions and he has all this access to pretty much any video footage anywhere at any time. And he walks into this sort of virtual bank and he sees who has the least amount of money. Mm-hmm. And it's this single mom who can't afford groceries and she's, um, you know, been evicted from her, her home and it was just her son's birthday and, 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 and all this stuff. And, um, he manipulates the ATM to give her a bunch of money, like to, mm-hmm. to pay her bills. And he didn't say a word in that scene, you know, right. he didn't have a yeah. line of dialogue in that. Yep. And, um, and he only had half of a space, right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and that was incredibly moving. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really loved, uh, I really loved the Flash intro scene too. I I really liked the Flash anyways because yeah. we really loved the CW show and I liked Ezra Miller better now in this one uh, than mm-hmm. before. I'm still a Grant Gustin guy for sure, um, <laughs> comparatively speaking. But um, his introduction, I I don't know how much his introduction really 
like fits in with the rest of the movie, you know, uh, story wise. Mm-hmm. But the scene is so good. Yeah. I'd, I wouldn't want to lose it under any circumstances yeah. anyways. And, you know, he's it's a scene where he, you know, he meets Iris, uh, you know, his, the love of his life. I, I'm presuming for the first time, but also like the movie doesn't tell you that. <laughs> That's yeah. why kind of, I'm going back to the they kind of assume we know what's going on and, and, and you know. Many of us do, but also it's like, why is he so fixated on this one girl um, that he would, you know, save, save her like at a moment, yeah. just like that and come back in. And yeah. I mean, other than him being a good person, yeah. I will say the visual of him literally bursting out of his shoes yeah. to go yeah. save her yeah. was, was really cool. Yeah. And it's the be- glass effect. Yeah, yes. that was yeah. great. And speaking of story beat without saying a word, I, which when it first happened, like initially, I was like, "What? What's going on? That's really ridiculous." But as he's like, you know, clearing stuff away to to save her, he puts that hot dog in his pocket. Yes, <laughs> yeah. which I can't believe yeah. I'm like repeating out loud. I mean, it's such a weird thing. But then you my see wife the payoff. That, though. What? Yeah, my wife called it when yeah. he did that. She's like, "He's going to feed the dogs, you know, so I, the dogs will like him." That's so. I did not know that. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't call it. That's either. amazing. But I just love how yeah, that it kind of pays off, and you see, you learn more about it just from him grabbing. I don't know. I oddly lo- really like that a lot. I, that that small yeah. little thing. I don't know. It was, it was great. Well, <laughs> there's a lot of neat little attention to detail in this movie too. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, someone pointed out that when they're getting, before they're getting ready for one of their missions at some point in the movie, they show him doing yoga to do it, yeah. which kind of makes sense from his standpoint. Like he's so mm-hmm. frenetic, not just, yeah in his physical speed, but also in his mind. And that was, that was one thing that I really liked. I mean, I'm assuming, well, this is, this is a Whedon, uh, um, not a Whedon. It's a Snyder thing. I assumed this was a Whedon scene based on how it played out. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but the scene where Bruce comes to visit Barry and, you know, he throws the batarang at him and he stops, you know, to, or he slows down time, you know, because he's moving so fast. He sees the battering. It registers that he knows Bruce Wayne is Batman. He grabs it and he's like, holy crap, this is Batman. And like, and like, he's the only one as soon as uh, Batman's trying to get like, trying to get his nerves up to make this sales pitch mm-hmm. to join the Justice League. And Barry, it doesn't even let him get two words. Yeah. Out. He's like, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, there there are memes about that, which are which I can't repeat verbally, but it is, it's immediately what I thought of. It was like Rick and Morty style yeah. stuff. And, and then and um, and it's interesting, like one thing I say, Ezra Miller plays really well in that is that you can tell like his eyes, his facial expressions, you can see everything processing so fast and he can't really find the words for it. So he just decides to say it really simply mm-hmm. like when he just comes out like, well, you know, he's like, so you're fast. He's like, mm, that's an oversimplification. Yeah. And then he starts and he's like, well, and then and eventually he's like, really, you know, you're, you're going to join just like that. And he goes, and he just stops and you can re- tell he's thinking about it. And he's like, do I really need to get into all this? He's like, right. I need friends. You know, yeah, right. Basically, <laughs> um, you know, plays off as a laugh, but also is, I think is really reflective mm-hmm. uh, of him as well. And I, yeah. and I liked his, his sort of junior member attitude, how it interacted with everybody else in this movie too. Like even particularly him and Cyborg, I think they spend the most time together, but when they're digging up Clark's grave later on in the movie, in the first cut, it was just those two at the grave. Like they just sent them out to do it. And um, this time everyone's there, um, which I thought was just a nice touch. 
Um, cause you get a moment between Diana and Aquaman where they both realize that neither of them really belong to their tribe. Um, which I mean that I'm sure that preaches to some people now, right? And you know, you come from this line of people and, and, and this group or this belief system and you just don't fit in with it anymore. And, but where do you go? Yeah. Um, and both of them find that in common with one another. They actually both quote one of the same idioms, uh, you know, the, in their life and realize maybe there shouldn't be sworn enemies. Um, but even then flash is like trying to like buddy up with cyborg and he's like, Hey, you, uh, Wonder Woman, you think think she would go for a younger guy, you know, like kind of thing. And like, it's less creepy, you know, this way when he's saying it to him. And I just love like Cyborg's kind of like patient exasperation with him. And he's just like, Barry, every guy's a younger guy. <laughs> like, since she's fifteen thousand, she's five thousand years old or whatever it is, you know. Um, well, and and it was well, and it was better than Joss Whedon recycling the. Bruce Banner falling into uh, Natasha's boobs scene from Age of Ultron with Flash falling onto Wonder Woman's boob scene in Justice League. Exactly. uh, This was was a much better, yeah. No, thank you for pointing that out as well. Like, it's just such a, I mean, you can can have the sort of boyish immaturity and still keep him from, you know, well, looking like a creeper. Which I'm glad that does well. But speaking of Diana, um, you know, one thing I thought also, again, subtle, um, but done really well. I will say this. <laughs> when we last left Diana, <laughs> she was doing the superhero pose flying over Paris. Somehow she jumped from there to London to stop a terrorist attack. So I don't know how she got from Paris to London. Um, I mean, and, or why she even decided to go to London. Um that would have been a nice little, you know, gimme to, to say, you know, why, why, why are we doing this? Um, but there's this shot, the same shot in, in both versions of her standing on top of the statue, getting ready to strike um, on this terrorist attack inside this bank. But in the first version, it you know, the drums are already starting up and, you know, you're getting ready to hear that Wonder Woman theme, which I still love. But mm-hmm. you can tell by her posture and by the score and everything that she's just getting ready to wreck shop. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but this time I see a Diana who's still trying to figure out whether or not she wants to be seen by the world. Like the Diana, we said like, well, which one is she, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of Batman v Superman, like, did she go into hiding? Does she come out? Like, well, this doesn't make any sense. She yeah. looked like it had to have been some kind of a reshoot. Cause she had a completely different facial expression. She looked like somebody was trying to be like, if I do this, then that means I'm committing to the world knowing that I'm out here kind of thing. Um, and she looked like someone, even in that brief moment, who was counting the cost of what she was about to do and then commits to doing it. Um, the, the Snyder Cut adds a whole nother Wonder Woman score to this that has a lot of, um, I think, that I, I Googled it, and I think I'm going to pronounce it right, a lot of um, ululation, you know, the, the vocal vibrating you know, kind of thing oh, that you hear yeah. in a lot of Middle Eastern music. Um, I didn't think that fit Themyscira or her at all. Like it took me out of it every time I heard it. Like, I I mean, that's just me. And I'm also a huge, you know, geek for the, for the, for the drum guitar 
you know, theme that she gets anyways. And that's still there. But, um, but every time there was like a slow, mo- it's like, it's like the fast motion Zack Snyder action <laughs> got the, got the guitar riff, but all yeah. the slow motion, you know, beheadings and, and, you know, sword play or whatever got the yeah. Aladdin music or something. I'm this, sorry. That's no, 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 call it music, no, but I, yeah, it did. It did. Mediterranean. Feel, yeah. It did feel like a very, very much like a phoned in sort of like, trope of like a far off land that we don't know you know like well, it, it was it, like it's like track 44 on the international <laughs> generic public domain yeah. music score yeah cd or something yeah it, that one that did feel like the most sort of like we're just gonna you know it just felt very tropey and yeah I, I didn't i wasn't a fan of it either um but i like i liked the re the recreation of her fight in the bank though yeah um it looks like Snyder even revisited that. There was a lot less slow motion, and I think it's the first, maybe only time I've seen her deflect bullets in "quote unquote" real time. Right. Um, which looked amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that um, sort of a Man of Steel speed vibe yeah. to it. It almost yeah. was kind of like yeah. Fiona. Um, I think was the Kryptonian who would, you know, when it's sort of that fight scene oh, yeah. in the streets is where the, the speed would move kind of that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, this is silly, but, um, well, no, this part isn't silly. Hold on. Um, she enters the building when there's like 15 seconds left on this bomb. Yeah. And I re- but I really appreciate the camera keeps cutting back like almost every second to give you an actual sense of stakes here. Yeah. Um, and another thing to praise the Snyder cut for in this scene, um, and I wouldn't have noticed it if I hadn't watched part of the weeding cut um, before, is that when she gets rid of the bomb, that scene has been cut down so short. They made a point in the dialogue for them to say that bomb could blow up four city blocks, but she releases the briefcase just like just above the roof of the building in the first cut. So I'm like, there's no way she didn't at least wipe out two right. blocks and <laughs> that, but they let that scene hang a little longer in the Snyder cut to see her fly further up in the air to the point where when she lets it go, you know, the city is safe, but she still gets blasted mm-hmm. by it, which I thought I didn't expect that part to happen. Yeah. Um, and then when the, the last remaining terrorist, you know, shows up to, um, by the way, she, pff, yeah, she literally took no prisoners yeah. in that fight too. A little dark, but at yeah. the same time, I'm like, wow, okay, this is rated R. Yeah. Um, her yeah, bracelet it felt, it move little... would be like in a fighting game, like the cheap move that you just use over and over. Yeah, if you're yes. if you're playing, like you know, you don't even care about learning all the other moves because that's such a powerful move. You just want right. to use that one over and over. It's just the, the hundred <laughs> hand slap of uh, Wonder Wonder Woman. Um, but a little tag at the end of that scene. There's a little girl who just says, you know, when I grow up, I want to be like, or can I be like you, or whatever. And that puts a night again, like not expecting hopefulness out of this movie and and snyder puts a bow on the scene to be like she's still a moral and honorable woman and you know she she will cut you when she needs to but that's not who she is you know (laughs) she's like i'll do what's necessary you know who she is 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 you know the sort of righteous woman i saw someone online point to that scene specifically and they were like Joss Whedon saw this and was like, nah, 
Right. <laughs> and somebody, I heard somebody else say that too, because that can't have been a reshoot because no. those kids would have been older by now. Yeah. I, I think so. The, he cut that. Yeah. I, I think, I don't know if there were any reshoots beyond the nightmare scene and the joke. Um, I'm sorry. The, um, Martian Manhunter scene at the end. I don't think there were reshoots beyond that. Wow. That's crazy. Man. Man. Wow. Um, <laughs> while we're talking about, you know, real quick, going back to the weird music, um, the strange Icelandic worship service that happens when Aquaman <laughs> swims off. Oh, gosh. I didn't know how this movie was going to turn out when that happened. So except for those mm-hmm. who haven't seen it, that's really early on. That's like at the end of the first scene of the movie. Yeah. Um, and I was like, Oh boy. Yes. Well, same. This is how we're, it's going to be. Yep. It's going to be a long four hours because <laughs> they lingered on that song. <laughs> yes. And you know, I mean, part of me was like, maybe I should Google these lyrics and there's some sort of sentiment to it that'll make it better. And then I'm just like, no, no, not, <laughs> not going to. Yeah. Um, speak. Yeah. Can, can I, 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 I'm going to, well, and I feel like I'm going to say this about a lot of things. I just didn't expect to even say or think I would be saying, but um, what we're talking about, you know, a lot of characters having a, 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 bro, a deeper and just better story in general. I was so surprised that I can say that about the villain, about Steppenwolf. Yeah. As well, and not only does he no longer look like a, a fort in like a video game character, you know, it was just so bad, but he there's actually like a purpose and a reason why he's doing this. And I, yeah. that was one of my, I mean, there's a lot I didn't like about Justice League, but I think that was my, one of my biggest ones. I feel like there, you know, especially with Marvel having so many just stellar villains, mm-hmm. um, man, Steppenwolf, especially in the first, yeah, just was just a bit, I mean, it's just awful. There's yeah. no rhyme or reason what he was doing, you didn't know what was going on. And this one, you you can kind of, I mean, still not up there with you know some of the great villains, but it it just made more sense. It just at least he had a purpose. Yeah, yeah, he had a reason to be and doing a motivation. Yeah. It, yeah, motivation. He you know wanted to get back in Dark Side's good graces. Like it, it just it felt. I was I was really surprised that I yeah. actually thought it was way better. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. And when he shows up. Um, you know, he shows up, he's got to collect these mother boxes. There's one in Themyscira that the Amazons are guarding. There's one in Atlantis, uh, which, you know, the Atlanteans are guarding. And there's one somewhere on Earth, um, which we find out is in Cyborg's possession or in his father's possession. Um, and, you know, creating, you know, collecting all three, much like the, you know, Infinity Stones. Like once he collects it, it sort of summons this portal for dark side to enter and take up, take over the world basically. Um, but, um, the, the, uh, the Atlantis, not Atlantis, um, not Atlantis, the, um, the <laughs> Themyscira, um, mother box fight, um, in both versions was, was fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. but I really enjoyed this one more. Um, and even, even taking time, um, and that's the thing about this movie. Um, we, we can joke about it cause it is funny, but at the same time, like Zack Snyder took his time with everything here. Mm-hmm. Um, and this felt like, um, remind me, I'll come back to the Themyscira mother box thing in a minute, but, um, 
I'll give credit to my wife. First of all, I don't know what she was thinking, but she watched this with me. Oh, wow. Um, I wasn't expecting this to happen. Um, I I had gotten right after the Icelandic worship music, uh, Icelandic hill song out there um, being done with uh, their their song. When I fired it up again, I had taken a break and uh, she was like, oh, did this just start? I'm like, yeah. She's like, oh, okay. I'm, you know, I'm doing work on my laptop or whatever and I'll watch it with you. And I'm like, Okay, <laughs> four hours long, and you kind of hated the little part of Batman v Superman you saw. So I don't think this is gonna. She's like, whatever. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> and she stuck with me like the whole time. And she made a brilliant observation. She's like, you know, this is like what happens. Um, this is like the the almost like the inverse or or the better version of you know everyone always says like when they see a, a book adapted into film um how much lesser it is because so much stuff has to be cut out of it mm-hmm. and snyder it feels like i mean i've found out an article since then that there are things he wanted to include that that the studio would not allow him to because they said they had plans for it later right. um primarily like green lantern and stuff but whatever he shot I feel like got into the movie, it seems. Mm-hmm. So um, we really did get to see his complete vision with what he had to work with, at least. Um, and so while it is long, it's pretty coherent. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting. Uh, I've heard other critics and, and YouTubers and stuff that are much smarter about film than I am um, discuss this, is that, you know, this it's a, probably a blessing in disguise that HBO Max took Zack Snyder's Justice League here and it didn't get a theatrical release because yeah. a four-hour film is not going to get very many runs at a theater in a day, so it's not going to have an opportunity to get that much money. But when people are on their own time and can stream stuff and you can quantify how much people are watching it this way, it might open the gate to more director cuts of things to for better or worse, maybe longer content. Mm -hmm. Um, But honestly, you know, this proves to be successful and, and the way that Snyder even blocked this film, it could have just as easily been like an HBO series, you know, like seven episodes instead of, you know, um, and and instead of one big long thing. So, um, you know, but this is just what we got. And so I feel like in the long run, this will be really good, for content in general. I hate to call it content. I know Martin Scorsese is really mad at me right now, probably, (laughs) but like, but I think it will be really good for film and TV in general, because it's, it, it really validates what a stream, a a very good thing for art that streaming has to offer over theaters. Yeah. I, I think the more ways in which you can expand the way stories are told, the better it is because I mean, used to for television, it, it had to be, it was like a 25 episode season of, you know, one, one hour episodes of television, um, you know, lost the first yeah. few seasons of lost where, you know, it was all, it was just every TV show was that way. And then you had stuff like, well, like HBO that came along and said, Hey, we can do, 10 episodes or, you know, we can do a eight episode miniseries or, or whatever. And so, you know, I just, not everything fits neatly into 
25 episodes or 10 episodes or a two hour movie or two and a half hour movie. And, but that doesn't mean that there's not a great story there that can be told if you are just a little bit more flexible with what format you allow. So yeah, I would love nothing more, you know, after, um, this goes on to win the Oscar for best picture, of course, (laughs) um, for it to just completely, um, you know, sort of revamp the way stories are told on streaming platforms. Yeah. Agreed. One thing that made me think of when we were talking about this and the editing and stuff is, is going back to my our radio background and how we'd always get the radio edit of a single. And um, it used to make me oh. mad whenever it was an artist that I really liked and I was very familiar with the album cut of the song. Um, Switchfoot is the one that always comes to mind because they were a favorite band of mine at the time. And um, anyone who knows our music, then, then you know their music. But I think sometimes the most spiritually formative version content of their music was always in the bridge. And that was always what got cut out of the song for the radio uh, edit. <laughs> so it just sounded like a bland pop rock song like it, you know, never mind. I don't want to, I don't want to, I want to, I don't want to tear down another band to build them up. So I won't <laughs> make any comparisons, but, um, but yeah, they felt a lot more average, you know, and, and when yeah. I hear the radio edit, I'm like, Oh, I hate this so much. But that's yeah. what it kind of seems like with movies and stuff. Like we got the radio edit version of justice league a few years ago, and now we're getting, you know, the album version here and it's, mm-hmm. um, and it's much more content rich for sure. And I, yeah, I agree. Uh, I really hope that we get more from it. Um, so back to Themyscira, just one line, but I loved it. Like when they're, um, the mother box is, you know, awakening and, and they know that, that, well, they don't know it's Steppenwolf, I guess, but they know an enemy is coming and he's about to, he's about to draw on them. Um, I think it's Hippolyta cause she's the one who's in charge of everybody. She says, um, I wrote it down. She said, daughters of Themyscira, show him your fear. And, and they all scream back. We have no fear. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, Whew, that felt like a 300 moment to me, if anything. Um, but again, I, I, I really appreciate that Snyder really seemed to honor and validate the standalone. Um, <laughs> I can't think of another word. Badassery of mm-hmm. the Amazonians. You know. Yeah. I, I don't feel like they missed a beat between the first Wonder Woman film and and his cut of this movie. Well, and and they had a purpose here too in the end because I mean in in the first one, they kind of just get wrecked by right. Steppenwolf, and then okay, that's it, and then and then the way the Justice League learns about the Mother Boxes is because the basically of Gondor are lit. Well, well, it's it, isn't <laughs> it isn't it in in the first one? It's because I can't remember if they did the they didn't do the arrow thing in the first. I don't one, remember. No, see, I don't. They didn't because because I actually watched this. It was uh, I watched Jeremy Johns's review of oh, okay. of it, and he was he he reminded me of how the way we learn about it in in the Justice League is that Batman more or less splatters one of the parademons. Oh, that's right. And it makes the back of it. It, it bur- the, it, yeah, it burns um, the mother boxes into like the brick wall of, of a roof. Yeah. And so, you know, and oh, so he was gosh. he was he was joking about that. Like like, you know, um, and Batman instance, knows they're already already knows they're attracted to fear. Right. Right. And 
Um, and so it's like, you know, he was joking about like forensics experts would, you know, have to love that if, if, you know, something just gave you the clues like that by it, it dying. And, and, and so, you know, it just completely, uh, made the, the whole thing with Themyscira irrelevant. And so now at least, I mean, even with them just shooting an arrow, it gives you, um, it gives them a, a purpose of where even though they lost, they, they had a role in warning, uh, them about that, about this, uh, invasion. And then it also kind of gives, you know, the opportunity for Wonder Woman to go down into the temple and, you know, see the dark side painting. And so it was just, you know, it was just all yeah. done much better. Again, it makes the movie longer, but I actually was really glad that the movie showed you showed us Diana learning about this. Yeah. So that way, when she gives the big exposition about the war, it's because she's just learned it and she has to deliver that information to someone else. And we've already established in previous films that she knows all these ancient languages. So she'd be able to read hieroglyphics or something like that, probably. And, um, and that stuff. So it makes more sense um, that she would do it. Um, now I'm not the first person to, since I'm thinking about this this uh, flashback of this great battle that oh yeah yeah it's 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 very Sauron and Middle Earth and stuff it just is what it is you know I, I, that doesn't yeah. make the movie terrible but Hollywood has yet to really learn how to evolve from the giant battle scene except for Endgame I guess. Um, to to this to to not evoke the first five minutes of Fellowship of the Ring, mm-hmm. um, but or the last hour of Return of the King, whatever. <laughs> um, but there's another sort of MacGuffin in this movie, which is called the Anti Life Equation, and I'm sorry to call it a MacGuffin because I'm sure I, I know I know that's a thing in the comics. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't know enough about the comics to speak intelligently about them and i apologize to my brother who apparently has been listening to our dc episodes Uh sorry david i don't know enough about the anti-life equation you can call me later and school me on that um (laughs) but um i don't understand this game-changing thing the anti-life equation right is something that um i swear i almost said thanos i don't mean to do that (laughs) i really don't but you can't deny there's a lot of parallels there and that is that's that's gone on decades um Mm -hmm. that's not some new thing that dc has done i think dark side might have even pre i think he might even predates Thanos. that's what that's what i heard yeah yeah so nevertheless dark side i just have to get used to saying that name um he discovers the anti-life equation on earth and but he is pushed back by the Olympian gods and the Atlanteans and the lanterns and the, everybody fighting together. And so he, he leaves um, and, and somehow doesn't remember yeah. that Earth is the planet that has it. So mm-hmm. like Steppenwolf discovers it later, I guess. And he's like, tell Darkseid that I found the planet with Antelope. And I'm like, yeah. do you mean to tell me the supreme big bad in this movie I understand if he's conquered or decimated hundreds or thousands or even tens of thousands of planets. It doesn't register with him. Hey, somebody, this is the planet. We're coming back one day to get this. This is the one. And he doesn't. I, 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 that felt weak to me. And I, I don't know. Um, I Please correct me if someone knows better. But that <laughs> seemed odd. Yeah. 
I think I think it's like you know you're online and you've got a different password for all these sites <laughs> and you know you're like what where which Can one I was use this? previous was twelve this? planets I don't yeah right like did is this one that required a special character and a yeah. hieroglyphic and a, maybe it's like that because it made no sense to me either yeah. about like how do you not how do you not remember yeah. that this was the one yeah, but, yeah. yeah. we even I mean yeah now that we're going down a little kind of trails like this even the whole idea of the mother box is like once superman died they decided to be like hey it's safe to come now but before mm-hmm. superman what what was protecting you know like before superman arrived yeah. what yeah. was protecting the earth you know what was scaring or what was keeping them from se- you know there's all little things like that that i think my again this is me making an assumption with an assist yeah. <laughs> from uh, with an assist from uh, the MCU mm-hmm. is that some people have said, how come Thanos didn't attack certain planets mm-hmm. to get the infinity stones until the time that he did. Yeah. And some people would say, well, he waited until things were at their weakest. Uh, and so like at their, like, like in the MCU, somebody posited a theory that he waited until Odin was dead mm-hmm. to, a, to attack Asgard because yeah. he respected Odin as a great protector or something like that, or didn't want to open that can of worms. And so I could see like this great alliance, yeah. this, this, this great alliance of tribes and races presenting themselves as a, as a threat. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they did not, I don't know if they mortally wounded him, but they very visibly yeah. wounded him. So yeah. him being like, we're going to have to wait until, these guys are weaker to come back. Um, I, I mean, I can, but, but again, that's me doing most of the work <laughs> on that yeah. um, and not the movie. So I don't know. Um, one thing I didn't say about the flash and Bruce Wayne scene, um, you know, in the past in the jaw and the Joss Whedon version, that is our introduction to Barry Allen instead of him saving Iris. And I think I actually enjoy him and Bruce Wayne's conversation and the recruitment much better because we already know more about yeah. Barry at that right. point. I think, well, I think we might've seen the scene with him and his dad in jail at that point, but I, I don't fully remember, but um, yeah, like I, you've already seen Barry's vulnerability, I think a, a little bit and him showing off his powers and what he's capable of doing. So he feels not like a threat <laughs> to Bruce, mm-hmm. but that he's capable of holding his own if mm-hmm. he needs to. And he's also not really in this movie. One thing I like more about him is that he is less a joke. And when it comes to combat and more of a kid, yeah. like yeah. in the first movie, he's like, Oh, I'm afraid of bugs. All I've ever done is push people out of the way maybe and stuff. Um, but this time he just seems like, the one really young kid in the mm-hmm. World War II army unit. Or yeah. like Spider-Man. Like yeah. Spider-Man yeah. in Civil War was kind of yeah. what it reminded me of almost, mm-hmm. you know. And that yeah. and it really gets me the most. I felt so bad for him. Um, in the very end when they're having the fight and he's getting ready to do his big run um, and he gets shot mm-hmm. by one of the parademons and – Bruce asks him if he's okay. And of course he's miles away from the battle site. Cause he has to build up speed. And he just says, I just got the wind knocked out of me. And you see like, he's got an open flesh wound and mm-hmm. he's, and he sounds like a hurt child. Mm-hmm. Like in that moment, I'm like, okay. Yeah. 
this, you know, this is not the guy who waves Dostoevsky at the, at the Russian family. Mm -hmm. Um, and looks like a complete, you know, idiot, which I'm glad I mentioned that stupid joke because the next thing I really liked about this movie was there was no stupid Russian family for no reason. Right. I'm so glad to discover that was a Joss Whedon thing. And I mean, if you say so, thing. because that was the only thing that made me care about that final scene. In, <laughs> it was that one random family that we knew nothing. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's so. Uh, oh, gosh. I like, mean, I was, get, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sorry, Jared. I'll, I'll say this. And no, it's fine. You could say it was so glaringly obvious that they were put there. For the same reason that in Batman v Superman, they're like, oh, Doomsday landed on the island where there's there's no civilians yeah. at. Right. Like, they should have just hung a big red flag, you know, at their house being like, damsels yeah. in distress to show that our heroes can yeah. care about people. Yeah. Right. But, um, yeah, it wasn't worth keeping, and I'm glad they didn't. <sighs> For sure. Um. Small scene, but something I really like. Uh, there was a brief moment where uh, Alfred. First of all, I thought Alfred was great again. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Irons did great again in this. He's never he's never been bad in this in this universe. But um, there's two things about Alfred in particular that I really liked. One, he's still riding Batman, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, and this time, but also like, it, my wife actually helped helped me see this and pointed out like he is still living the life of a servant, even with all these metahumans around him. Like mm-hmm. they all come crashing into the back cave, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. to hang out and he wants to make them tea. Yeah. And yeah. Diana, the sweet woman that she is wants to help, but he's also like, this is my job. Like right. you're not doing, <laughs> I love the fact that this like in almost invulnerable, um, you know, super powerful woman is trying to help him make tea. And he's like, you're, you're doing it wrong yeah. <laughs> or whatever, which is, he's like the only yeah. man who's not really intimidated by her. <laughs> right. Cause it's like, he doesn't know to be or something. Yeah. I don't know. Um, that made me laugh. Uh, cause it wasn't like disrespectful. He was just like, mm, mm, this is my job. No, I don't like this. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's almost like for all the others, um, their jobs overlap so much with hers. You know, yeah. and, and she's just better at it than a lot of them, like the right. Aquaman or whatever. But this this is a completely different art form. And he's just like, no, this is not your this yeah. is not your thing. You know, <laughs> go tell those boys what to do. Oh, right. Right. Um, and, and another thing with Alfred and um, actually it, it reminded me of, um, oh gosh, it's one of the other iterations of Batman. And I can't remember which one it is, if it was Bale or if it was Keaton or somebody else. But, um, you know, I thought one good thing that, again, the movie told us is that um, Alfred created these gauntlets Mm -hmm. for Batman that would absorb the energy blasts that the parademons for some... I will say it, it was forever weird for me to see these scary looking parademons shoot guns. Yeah. Like yeah. I just, but whatever, um, maybe that's how they are. Um, and, but they would absorb those gun blasts. So Batman wasn't completely useless in this supernatural fight. Right. Um, cause you know, his little roundhouse kicks weren't going to do much, <laughs> um, where everybody else had real powers. Um, and so, um, 
he was, you know, testing that out and then they had the fight and he's, you know, he's got Al- uh, Alfred in his ear, you know, like Jarvis or whatever. And, um, and he, and he's like, Oh, you know, it worked or whatever. And, and, uh, and, and Alfred's just like, yeah, all right. And he's like, we'll celebrate later, Alfred. Like, is they're still in the yeah. middle of the fight? <laughs> but when it calms down for a second and he gets his, um, what do they call it? That weird creeping, the night crawler. Uh, vehicle. Yeah, I think so. When he gets in it, Batman gets back on his comms and he says, "Thank you, Alfred." Like mm-hmm. he just remembers. And um, I had heard somebody say that about one of the other iterations of Batman. I think it was Michael Keaton. Now that I think about it, is that Batman's kind of a jerk, but there's just this small sliver of remembering that this is the guy who's cared cared for me my whole life, and mm-hmm. I don't ever want him to think that I'm not grateful, even if I'm a jerk to everybody else in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was that was cool. Because like you know, just again that an uncharacteristically human thing for Zack Snyder mm-hmm. to add in this movie, um, it was small, but I really liked it. Yeah, yeah and, and I think for like for Batman, it just it worked better, you know, to have stuff like that and take out the like trying to shoehorn in the jokes of you know the the scene where Superman picks him up and asks him, "Do you bleed?" Which <sighs> I, that. that yeah, I, th- it's that a callback. Part, but it's stupid. It's it's a callback, um, and I didn't especially hate that part of it. But then th- it was mainly just a setup in the in the Whedon version for then Batman to be like, "Oh, so yeah. it's definitely bleeding." I and, do bleed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was glad, and honestly, again, I may have just wiped that movie from my mind because I don't remember a ton of it. Um, but this felt, even though I knew logically in my mind that there weren't as many jokes in here, this felt like a funnier, um, the jokes were better. The jokes were better and they, they fit with it all better. So it felt funnier, even though there were fewer jokes. Yeah. Well, like even that, like, you know, it joked about, um, you know, flash the, the way they've made flash better, but like even, and, and it's not like he was some great warrior in this movie. when we talked about making him kind of this weakling in the other version, but when you see him dodging the mm-hmm. parademon shots, he's like making all these weird poses like yeah. Zoolander or something. And like, but, but it works well for yeah. this flash. And it, and it is funny in that moment because he's still exhibiting this strength of power mm-hmm. um and he is you know dominant over them in his evasion um yeah. but but at the same time he you can tell he's still kind of scared um for his mind but not like a <laughs> not like a coward well I, and i liked the um you know it was a, just a small thing but uh, but again with the superman scene where he tries to, he runs at Superman the second time and Superman just kind of like steps aside and like kind of swats him backwards and he, yes. and he knocks Aquaman down yeah. into, and then at the end, Aquaman just like points at him, you know, he's like, I am so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, about that. Um, I, I want to go backwards, uh, later too, cause there's still a couple more things narratively that I didn't want didn't get to talk about, but that scene where Superman takes on everybody for the first time, it's, it's not super different from right. the Whedon version, but this is a better creation of it. And one might've even been in the Whedon version. I didn't notice it until this time, which is crazy that I would notice more mm-hmm. in this super longer version than I would the others, which I think is a testament to Whedon's ability to build, uh, 
foundations under these characters instead of Snyder. Just throw, throw, Snyder. Yeah, sorry, Snyder's. Thank you. Yeah. The, our new version is better in every way than the previous mm-hmm. version. Um, so, yeah, Snyder building these foundations under these characters to where you notice more things that they do. And one of those is like when they're all taking on Clark, who has got a chip on his shoulder at this point. Um, the, the great scene of him trying to flank around him and Superman in real time moving his mm-hmm. head, you know, that's still there, of course. And there's a great moment. But when he comes back around to try to trip Clark, when he runs into him, mm-hmm. he bounces off Superman. Like he's yeah. not fast enough to create a force that would even mess with, with Clark, which is, which is even awesome, which I never noticed, uh, if, if it was even in the Whedon version, but here in, in the Snyder Cut, I thought that was great that it's it was like seeing the Batmobile hit Superman and Batman v Superman. Like he just like comes around and tries to crash into Superman and and he just goes flying, mm-hmm. um, bouncing even even in slow motion, which I thought was uh, was pretty neat. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, oh, one thing that I had written down. Um. And I, I'd already talked about like how Flash was. We, we've already talked about the Flash and Wonder Woman interactions and how they're more responsibly handled in Snyder's version and stuff. Uh, one thing that Flat just just a th- uh, uh, just a really quick line when they were digging up uh, Clark's grave. Uh, Flash just looks at Cyborg and says, "You know, he was my hero." Mm-hmm. Um, again, just another tie to why Superman was important to everybody, you mm-hmm. know, and you actually get to see instead of, instead of Bruce Wayne, just telling us that Superman meant everything to everybody, you know, that feels kind of compromised because he was so guilty. He was felt so guilty about it. Mm-hmm. But when you actually hear the other characters say that Superman meant something to them, it actually adds some gravity to that. Um, and I forgot to mention this, but one thing objectifying wonder woman um the concept i really love because i actually read this in one of the few comic books i did um read from dc back in the day but the way it played out here i thought was really stupid and again objectifying wonder woman was aquaman sitting on the lasso yeah telling her how hot she was and stuff and and everything and it was just again like (laughs) you know treating her like she's still a fast and furious character, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, you know, her character's built so much equity over that uh, since then, especially in, in the films that she's done. She still comes away the cleanest, I think, out of this universe, you know, um, from everybody. So um, also a big difference to me was the realization or the decision to resurrect Superman this time. Yeah. It was just a near on obsession from Bruce Wayne. Again, I understand why Bruce would want to do it, but there's a lot in the original story that is Bruce's dialogue or his decision-making or something, and it's all tied back to his guilt. So it's like everybody else is just a bit player in him trying to do this insane idea. But one of my favorite moments is they do that sort of that 70s show thing where the camera is basically on the mother box Mm-hmm. And it's panning around in a circle to all of them talking. Yeah. And and they're one at a time realizing what the mother box is capable of doing. Right. And like as the dialogue progresses from hero to hero, eventually they get to Flash and he's like, are we all thinking the same thing? Because I don't want to be the one who says it, yeah. you know, or whatever. But underneath they're playing the Man <laughs> of Steel theme. 
Yeah. And it just kind of grows and grows. And then, you know, as soon as Flash, you know, throws his punchline in, it's Cyborg's turn next. And he project he just projects a picture of Superman on top of the yeah. box. And I thought that was perfect. Yeah. yeah. I have a question for you guys. You may know this um, yeah. from background. Was there a reason, so, you know, Joss, I guess, went with the the regular Superman outfit. Was there a reason he didn't go with, well, I guess maybe it was just for time. I don't know. Was there a purpose to not doing the black and white, the black and silver that, that Zach, he wanted? Was there, I don't know. My opinion of that is that there had already been so much criticism on the darkness of the film. The film in general is, Mm. is a, is a lighter color. Yeah. uh, Whedon's version is. So I think Uh, he intentionally went with one of the most colorful, um, yep. Costume options possible. I can see that. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. And that was another reason that our expectations were very different going into this movie, too. Yeah, right. We're like, Superman's going to wear the black yeah, suit. Like, Ooh. Ooh, he's dark <laughs> and moody. Um, yeah. But you know what? They even added, they added so much tension to the resurrection scene, too, mm-hmm. which I thought was brilliant because, like, all they did was make pet cemetery jokes in mm. the Whedon version and stuff. And again, like it was, I don't know, it was all one big stupid Whedon joke, you know, then, but, but here, like, I thought it was great. Just little things like, you know, cyborg, he hacks into the Kryptonian ship and they realize that, you know, the mother box has to be jump started, much, much like the thing. You know what I noticed this time that I didn't notice last time, you know, we talked about how Lex Luthor made doomsday, and I can't remember if we said this out loud. I think we did, but I was mm-hmm. like, why did he need to put his own blood in there? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Like, I think, yeah, I think you did say it out loud on that, and I had the same question. So, But do you notice the mirror image of that? One is that Clark was buried with a picture of Jonathan mm-hmm. in his hands, which I thought was really – again, <laughs> that was – I think that was in the other version too. I can't remember. But – it was. was. It was, yeah. And I want to be like, well, that's really great, except you made Jonathan look like an idiot, so it doesn't mean as much as it could, but whatever. Um, <laughs> not completely, but whatever. I yeah. ate a cake while the cows died or whatever. You know, it's just, he was weird. Um, mm. um, so anyway, but instead of, you know, the, the, the mirror or the inverse of Lex cutting and putting his blood into the water, the picture goes into the water mm-hmm. um, too. And you see that start to sink in there with his body. Um, but I thought that was interesting. I feel like it's almost just a, uh, a totem to his humanity, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that we've talked about in man of steel, you know, what makes Superman special uh, beyond his powers. And, um, but what I really liked about the scene here in the Snyder cut is that they really made this seem like it's a risk to take, to bring Superman back. Yeah. Um, like even the ship didn't want them to do it. Yeah. You know, um, the way the ship continues to warn him and then cyborg, has that vision of dark side, the sort of injustice vision mm-hmm. um, where everything has gone wrong. And he actually says no when he yeah. comes out and right. flash misunderstands him. Um, and then, and then flash even is having to psych himself up because he knows he's taking a risk 
with the speed force by going this fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, I mean, I'm honestly, I'm surprised we didn't get a flashpoint moment in this movie, but I'm, I'm glad we didn't, to be honest, cause that would have been even more <laughs> too much. Um, but I thought they were teasing it so much, you know, in, in the movie, I thought, I thought I was like, well, they always just dump the kitchen sink out in these movies. Right. So, yeah. so when's it going to come? Um, <laughs> but so I thought that was, that was cool. Yeah. I, um, and, and I mean, you know, the, I'm glad they cut the pet cemetery joke, but I mean, it, it is one of those things where it would make sense that that would be a, a fear uh, in general because, you know, you think about how they were just coming off of, of Lex using that thing to create yeah. Doomsday. Mm-hmm. And so you take a dead body. Uh, you see what happened with the last dead Kryptonian that they right. put in there. Uh, so what's going to come out, you know, this time? So, um yeah, no, I thought that was good. It did it did add the stakes to it. Yeah. And um I can't remember if it was before this scene or when they were planning to launch their attack on Steppenwolf. But again, small lines that create this deeper human and um appreciation for these heroes. Um Aquaman says of Cyborg I can't believe this guy just, you know, this kid just lost his dad and we're going to send him to do this. And flash picks up on it and says, I thought you didn't, I thought you said you did. I thought you didn't care, you know, about that. And he just says, I never said that. Right. You know, he didn't say that he did, but he also didn't say that he didn't. Um, and, um, there, there are, there are crumbs, there are breadcrumbs of, vulnerability for Aquaman in this movie. I'm very confused. I, I, I liked Jason Momoa in this movie. I liked him better this time around than, I mean, I liked everything this time around better than the first time around, of course, but <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I didn't really care for just about anything that happened in Atlantis though. Um, and I don't hate the Aquaman solo movie either. Like I think, I don't know if it's just the, the actual, visual darkness of Mm. underwater or if it's that weird decision to have talking bubbles um there or i don't know but that 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 underwater world was better meant for i think it was justin lynn who who was that created that uh that directed the aquaman movie it was better it was in better hands visually with the person who made it than with Zack Snyder, I think. Um, it's just, um, yeah, I, I didn't, I felt like it, I was narratively confused with a lot of the Atlantean stuff because I know that even Zack Snyder's Justice League took place before the Aquaman solo movie. I don't know, have either of you guys seen the Aquaman movie? I have not, no. Okay. Well, there are some narrative pieces with some, some of his family that like, it's obvious that there are things that Aquaman has yet to learn in mm-hmm. Zack Snyder's Justice League that he does learn in a solo movie, which would tell me that he doesn't, that this movie comes first. But also, I thought he, his solo movie, I thought that's where he meets Amber Heard's character. Hmm. I can't remember. They, yeah. They, uh, yeah, I don't remember either. That's a good question. Oh, man. 
because they sure interacted a lot yeah. <laughs> um, in this movie, mm-hmm. if that's the case. So uh, I was just all very confused by, by, by anything that happened underwater, basically. Yeah. The one thing I did like was her um, Mira is Mira. The, the name of the yes. character, I think uh-huh. um, where she fights Steppenwolf and there's, say there's, what I got written down. Yeah. yeah do there, there's a point where she starts like sucking the water because she can control water and your body's like 70% water or whatever. She starts like sucking the water and blood out of, out of his, out of his body. And he has to like, he's going to kill her. And then, uh, then he has to just like throw her away. That's so right. that she'll stop, you know, that was so, yeah, that was so awesome. Yeah. That, that, that was probably the only thing that happened underwater that I thought was cool. Yeah. I think I probably already said a couple of these things were like, oh, this was one of my favorite things in the movie. But <laughs> but there there were two very specific things in the movie that were definitely my favorite things that happened, and they both involved Superman. Superman and music, <laughs> strangely enough. <laughs> and one of them is here. So once Clark, before I get there, actually, they bring Lois in, you know, to be his, um, you know, his stabilizing force, you know, and, and they leave. And I've read somewhere that there is a, a moment earlier where Lois is still kind of grieving and stuff. And you see, she's got a pregnancy test, which is the brand is called force majeure, by the way, um, which is called, yeah, like, (laughs) which means like circumstances beyond your control or something like that, which is, yeah, weird thing, but someone, but in Zack Snyder and, and, and subsequent, online articles went on to suggest that yes, Lois is pregnant in the movie um, by Clark, but someone said, would it be interesting if the reason why Clark stops is because when Lois shows up, he recognizes her, but also can see that she's pregnant because the beginning of the fight with the justice league, he is x-ray visioning all of them and can yeah. see you know, their adrenaline pumping and stuff. That would be anyway, that would be interesting. But again, that's not in the movie for us to know. Um, but anyway, Clark eventually goes to his um, to his ship, um, his you know fortress of solitude or whatever, and he's walking the the halls of things, and you know finds the black suit this time, and they recreate his first flight scene uh, again from Man of Steel, where you know he gets in his pose and. The, the dust is shaking from the ground, except this time there is a combination of narration with Russell Crowe's Jor-El and Kevin Costner's Jonathan Kent. And they're both saying, and I think there's new lines of dialogue for at least one of them in there. I, I think I, I could be wrong, but it's both of them saying the best of advice that they've given Clark over the course of his life. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's not one tinge of negativity or, you know, anything there. And it's both of them stirring him on to, um, to be who he's meant to be and that it's ready for him to go. And, um, what's funny is in, in the flash TV show, probably the most repeated line of dialogue that is in the most emotional moments is run, Barry run. And for a second, I thought they were going to say fly Clark, Clark fly, <laughs> which is dorky, but would have totally sent me over the emotional edge <laughs> the way they built it. Um, which was, it was, it was neat. And so I thought that scene was just amazing and emotionally fulfilling. And then he flies into space and makes the Jesus pose 
for no reason. Uh, well, not for no reason, but, you know, because he had to. Which, listen, I'll say this one time, and then I won't complain about it again for the rest of the episode. <laughs> I like Superman. I love Jesus. I'm really <laughs> glad that Superman is a Christ figure in in motion pictures and comics and all that stuff. But if Clark is resurrected, he doesn't need to take the pose that oh, represents Jesus' death. I mean, there is no real resurrected pose for Jesus. Mm-hmm. It made it, it as, as, as corny and on the nose as it was in Man of Steel for him to make the Jesus pose then, knowing that he was maybe going to be going to his death, it was a little more appropriate. But at this point, it's like you literally came back from the dead and, and he fights like a resurrected, glorified body too. You know, your Neo style, nothing can hurt me mm-hmm. stuff. And that's great and that's appropriate for 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 making that analogy right um so so we don't need any more crucifix poses uh, what what if the <laughs> the gospels just didn't point out that as jesus ascended he did the pose <laughs> okay i'll defend superman on this one even though it's just clearly for 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 Zack Snyder's yeah. heavy heavy-handed thing with this. This is the real reason. Okay. That's that's the real reason, but I will say maybe if we're trying to assign a a, a a valid reason to it, it's that as he flies up, you know, it it's nighttime where he's been. He's trying to soak up some more rays of the sun before he goes into this fight. I would be more on board with that if he was closer to the sun when it happened. He seems to be on the far like and 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 I'll 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 defer to that. That's that's fine. So so I enjoy it more because this is my preferred Justice League. Um that's that's fine. Um also probably shouldn't have put on a black suit yeah. that doesn't really allow well, it light. absorbs more heat. Well, I guess it. I guess it does absorb more heat. Yeah. It does absorb more. Is it light or is it the heat? That, sure. that I think it's light. I think it's light. Yeah. Yeah. There's probably <laughs> no UV protection in that suit. I'm guessing. <laughs> keeps, keeps the power from uh, getting to him. <laughs> or if he was just like, you know, Zod seemed really strong. He wore a black yeah, suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me get one of those. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh man. So, uh, let's see. I'm going to knock that out. Um, so my other favorite moment, um, I'll go, go back into a few more things, but you know, it is, um, is Superman finally showing up at the fight. Um, so in Whedon's just, and I want to compare both scenes together is that in, in Whedon's version, he shows up and I can't remember, what piece of smack talk Steppenwolf gives, but Superman shows up when, when all hope seems to be lost. And he's like, I believe in truth, something about truth, I guess, or, or whatever he goes, but I also believe in justice. Mm -hmm. And it's just so like, "Mm." Oh, it's cringe. And then as soon as he, he, he punches Steppenwolf and he goes flying out of the frame. Um, but when he makes contact with the punch, you get a trumpet blast from John Williams, uh, Superman theme, which is, you know, so, you know, which, which I 
had heralded as being preferable to Hans Zimmer's Man of Steel theme. It's, you know, it's a dun dun dun, and, and it's very Superman y mm-hmm. um, and stuff. And in that moment, I was like, oh, cool, you know. But in recording these episodes and revisiting these films, when he comes back this time, mm-hmm. it was more. Snyder delivered way more than I expected or more than I thought that I wanted from Mm -hmm. this. He really made the best marriage of what I'm just going to call his vision of Superman. I think it was the, this, his his rescue in this moment was this real full realization of the Superman that he started to be. It was a Superman I wanted way earlier in his films but he finally got there and he finally finally delivered on it. The Superman who knows who he is, who's not intimidated by someone he knows can't hurt him. Right. And it is a little, a little snarky for Superman. He shows up, he shows up to protect Cyborg from getting an ax in the back. And he's just like, not impressed. Yeah. And he, um, he blows his freezing air on the ax, but this time it's not like this big bellowing breath. He's basically just cocks his head to the side and just it's a little puff. Yeah. Just a little puff. <laughs> and when he punches in this time, they have now evolved Hans Zimmer's man of steel theme mm-hmm. to arrive at the hope that I had described in our man of steel episode as we were walking towards. Yeah. It's a triumphant arrangement of that very same music. And it was perfect to me. That was, that was the best moment in the movie for me. Um, and seeing Snyder's, I don't know if I would call it the quintessential Superman, but it's the best Superman he's made, uh, as a character was in that moment for me. Um, and in that following scene where he just beats on Steppenwolf and like, like he's toy, like like he's a dog with a chew toy. Like he's just right. This is such a one-sided fight, and honestly, for the R rating that it is, and for the viciousness of some of it, I was really satisfied when he pinned Steppenwolf down and lasered one of the horns off yeah. of his head. Yeah. I was like, that was something he did with Superman and Wonder Woman that I didn't know would work is making them vicious in battle while still maintaining their righteousness, so to speak of character. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, I'm, you know, I'm not going to try to get this too theological, but, but you know, the, that is the real harmony of, of a, of a God. Cause they call these people gods in DC, mm-hmm. you know, cause, cause of what they can do and where their, what their origins are is this God of wrath who can also be a God of grace, you know, mm-hmm. Um, is that when it's time to dispatch of evil, I will, I will take care of business and I will not show you mercy because, because there's no place in this world for what you are, Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, for, for pure evil. And so not only how, but yeah, so like they, you know, and they end the fight with a real good team up of everybody getting their licks in and wonder woman ends it off with taking his head, man. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's just like, and it's, and and so I think that's the cool thing, particularly about both of them, is that when they get into from this point at the end, when they get into fight mode, it's like no, I'm not I'm not I don't have a city to worry about protecting. So if you want to fight me, I'm going to end it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really really satisfying. Snoop, Superman got that 
out of his system with you know the first kill with Zod. You know, he's got a taste for blood. After that, he's just like, yeah, he's all bets are off. He's a shark in the water now, (laughs) man. Yeah, yeah, no, apex predator. (laughs) Yeah, no, that. yeah, I love the fact that everyone got in, got their moments in that final scene. And and the the coolest part to me, well, not the coolest part in a, in a way, but I guess maybe um the most sort of visceral visceral and surprising part because I was thinking back, I did remember from from the Justice League yeah. uh the the way they killed Steppenwolf, which was the lamest possible way to to kill him was where um, you know, the, the, his fear and then the yeah. parademons attack him. Yeah. Um, and, and this, this time it starts out with, with Aquaman impaling him yeah. with, with the trident. And I think like blood sp- spurting out uh-huh. and everything else. And that's kind of like what, um, sets it all up. So I love the fact that they just went all in It's like a triple that. fatality. Like a triple <laughs> fatality. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, then we also had, you know, Flash and and Cyborg essentially saving the world universe. or yeah. universe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that sequence was beautiful too. Again, yeah. they carry the heart of this movie. I mean, I I Super, Superman picks up the slack in the end because he I mean he's not in most of the movie, right? But uh, um, but they carry the emotional weight of this movie, mm-hmm. and that was um, actually the. Two, two more things I have written down here is um, they they allude to it early. You know, um, I don't know how Wonder Woman knows this, but because the story needs for her to know it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, she tells cyborgs like, if you try to mess with those mother boxes, they're going to try explo- and exploit your greatest fear and use it as a weapon against you. And so once he is successful in trying to get this, taking care well first of all he's not successful right he's too late and flash actually saves the day first and you know he's already been shot and he's he's wounded and scared like a kid you know and he has to it reminds me and it's not not in a ripoff way it's just reminiscent but like you said like tom holland spider-man like mm-hmm. in a homecoming when he's buried underneath all the rubble yeah and he has to just he's just alone and he yeah. has to, you know, talk himself up to get up. He's like, get up, Spider-Man. And it's such a mm-hmm. it's such a thing a kid would tell himself yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> to get going. And um, and he's like, OK, you just have to go as fast as you've ever gone, just faster than the speed of light. No big deal. Just, you know, whatever. All this stuff. <laughs> and uh, again, Snyder's visual talent um, for how Flash reverses time and r- is racing toward them and and. And like how he's stepping out onto a step before it's even formed mm-hmm. again and landing on it just right in sync and right in time. Um, the thing I probably hate the most about the flash is Ezra Miller's like running stride. He looks like a speed skater, which is really oh, weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's kind of dumb, but honestly I didn't see it as much in this version as I did in, in uh Whedon's version. But, um, but yeah, him like running all the way in and finally like getting to cyborg in time to give him the jump start that he needs or whatever. And then cyborg gets these boxes separated and then he is taken into this dreamscape kind of thing where he sees himself with both of his parents and it's this sort of last temptation of cyborg mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and 
I can't remember the setup to to the to the comeback line, but it was um it doesn't matter how many movies say something like this. It mm-hmm. always makes me want to cry every time. As long as the movie's done well anyways. It's not like a Martha moment or anything. Um but she says, you know, like we're we won't be broken anymore or whatever or something you know it's referring to him looking oh i should say when he sees himself he's as a whole human being he's not armor you know um he's not a cyborg anymore he's just human and um and he just fires back he goes i'm not broken and Mm -hmm. he goes and i'm not alone and you Mm -hmm. know he's he's accepted uh you know these other people as his family and i think that's a really neat thing about the you know justice league does not take a lot of time to really pound you over the head with this, but all of them are kind of alone mm-hmm. in a way, both wonder woman and, and Aquaman, this movie paints them as two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both kind of rejected. I didn't even realize this until I watched the Snyder cut this time around is that Diana hasn't been back to Themyscira since she left. Right. And as you know, before her first movie. And, um, I always forget about that because of the pacing of how the movies were released. Mm-hmm. But, um, so she hasn't been home. She hasn't seen anyone like her in over a hundred years. Yeah. And then, you know, Aquaman was, you know, born of two races. And so he's, and he's not accepted by either of them really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet he's still trying to find a way to serve them both where he can. Um, and then Batman, of course, his, his, his isolation, both self self inflicted and carrying the grief of, of um, losing, of being responsible for Superman is one thing. And then flash is socially isolated himself and, and has a really hard time connecting with anybody. Cyborg also isolated because of how he looks and, and can't connect with anybody. And, you know, Clark's dead, you know? So, uh, you know, he comes back and, and I mean, but we've known him to be isolated since right. the beginning of this universe. And so here we have six different characters who maybe save one relationship have no one in their life who can understand them on the level that makes them special. Cause mm-hmm. Clark has Clark loses all of it in Man of Steel. Zod was evil, but he understood. And he also loses Jor-El's, you know, database or whatever. You know, um Wonder Woman is exiled from her home. And she loses Steve Trevor, you know, and Batman, you know, he's got Alfred, but he's, you know, anyway, but even, even Alfred doesn't understand him. He didn't understand him when he was obsessed with vengeance. And this time around, he doesn't understand him for being obsessed with faith either. Um, which is, which is, which is interesting that Bruce pretty much just goes all out on whatever he feels. He's very (laughs) emotional. Um, and, uh, as a character in this, in this iteration. So, um, it's just really, (laughs) It's just really effective to see this team connect on the fact that none of them belong anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and they belong together. And Cyborg, I think, is the first one to vocalize that out loud in the way to say, I'm not alone. And he uses that. And he immediately, as soon as he snaps out of it, calls for Superman. And Superman immediately is there. And, like, they're already working like a team and stuff, which is really, you know, just really great um, in that. And... Um, one thing I will say, I'm just thinking about the narrative of the story and how the wheels are going and, and, and how the plot plays out. Uh, one positive thing I'll say about Darkseid, how cruel he is. It's like when Steppenwolf comes flying through the portal dismembered 
when his head rolls, he just like it lands right under his foot, and Darkseid just like, well, he was useless, and steps yeah. on his head, like just cold, um, just yeah. so cold. Um, yeah. yeah, the uh, the Batman thing almost kind of uh, kind of reminds me of sort of a Tony Stark thing, where you know Stark spends a lot of his time trying to undo not one giant mistake, but various mistakes and sort of will end up doubling down on stuff where you're just like, yeah, maybe stop helping. I don't know. But then, you know, eventually it kind of looks into him, you know, it it works out, but um, yeah, it kind of reminded me a little bit of some of those things. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we get into the epilogues of the, the multiple return of the king style endings here um one which is cool you know you see um i i I thought again man every time i think about it i just feel so bad for ray fisher he got dealt such a dirty hand like he he had a crazy good story here again you know i don't know if i'd see him as a as a solo film but man he deserved more Mm -hmm. um and he goes back and he gets that sort of love you 3000 moment from his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, where he can use his robotics to reassemble this tape recorder that he had crushed out of anger that his dad had left him one final message on, um, you know, flash gets, gets a job and, and shows off at his, shows it off to his dad who's in prison. And, um, I can't remember what Diana, it just shows Diana standing right this time. I think I don't remember. I don't remember exactly what it shows her like in the epilogue. That's one thing I guess in the Whedon version I did like a little bit more was they showed her standing out like after having stopped a crime and she was actually like talking to. It was kind of it's kind of like that child scene in the bank, like a little bit like her being out in the open. Mm-hmm. I guess you know having helped someone, but um, and then you know. Clark, uh, Bruce, you know, buying the bank <laughs> to give mm-hmm. Martha her house back and, and them hanging out. I will say I get, I get a real kick out of Henry Cavill. Like I, I didn't notice this time, but he's like, so how did you get her house back from the bank? And he's just like, well, I bought the bank. Like Cavill does this super quick double take at Bruce. Like you bought a bank? Like, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. And then like immediate, it's like, oh, well, yeah, you're, you're Bruce Wayne. I guess you can, you can buy banks. Yeah. Um, and it's just such a split. Again, this is a movie filled with just a little powerful moments. Yeah. Um, which I thought was great. One, uh, one more positive I wanted to say like this, and, and, and it probably has to do with how much screen time he has. But uh, Jesse Eisenberg's Les, Lex Luthor makes another appearance here with one of what was an end credit scene before with uh, Joe Manganiello's um, Deathstroke. Deathstroke, I think is what he's called. Mm-hmm. Um, so much better version of Lex Luthor than mm-hmm. the Mark Zuckerberg Lex Luthor we got um, last time with the Jolly Ranchers and the... Yeah. They, and they, put him, they put him on Ridlin while he was he in They must have. He seemed hyper-focused. <laughs> I'll give him that. Um, so, Okay. So we, we get a lot of that, and then we get a couple of things I want to ask you guys about. One, what did you think about Martian Manhunter? Because we haven't really talked about that. And then also the the final sort of nightmare uh, vision. What did you guys think about that? 
Tim, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I, you know, Marshman Hunter, it was, it was fine. I don't know. It was just enough to like make me curious, but it wasn't, I don't know. I, I feel like take it or leave it. it. It didn't affect me that much, but I, again, I don't have a ton of DC background, so I, it might've probably been more significant for bigger fans, but I mean, that was fine, but it, it yeah, it didn't grab me really. Um, but the nightmare, okay. I totally went in expecting not to like nightmare at all or just be totally, I don't know. It just felt like, okay, Zack Snyder's already being the most Zack Snyder. That's like him to like just lock in and kind of like parody himself, you know? But I, I, I just, I, it was fun. I, I, Joker was, I, I way, I mean, I don't know. It just all was so much better than I thought. Uh, Jared Leto's Joker was like what I wish he would have been previous iterations um yeah it, it was wild and i it was crazy and like i don't know crazier than i would have expected but i ended up going full circle and actually liking it <laughs> wow yeah um i i like the martian manhunter bit just i think mostly from the standpoint of i i, I saw some um well i mean i liked it from from the beginning because this was the thought that was in my head just watching it, uh, you know, live. But then I liked it even more when I when I saw some of Zack Snyder's interviews and stuff. Um, I, I liked the fact that it almost kind of spun the story forward where we you know, we've got a future going with this in the same way that the nightmare scene did too. Like, yeah, there's going to be yeah. more come later because Zack Snyder had said, and it's, you know, it's, it's hard to tell if this is what really happened or how much he's kind of playing up the, the, the drama to kind of keep fueling this whole fight the man, fight the system thing. But he basically said uh, that the, they told him like, okay, you can't shoot anymore. You can't shoot new stuff. You can do this, but you can't shoot new stuff. And then he just went ahead and did it anyway. Um, and I, and, and I hope that's true. I hope that's true. I hope he just went ahead and, (laughs) and just, and sent them, sent them a bill for, for, (laughs) you know, for Jared Leto and Ben Affleck's, um, pay time for that. Um, but I liked the fact because I was so into the rest of this thing, I liked the fact that he spun it, you know, forward to just keep this going. Like, yeah, yeah, not only did we resurrect this and I'm going to get my cut, but you're going to bring me back and I'm going to do more movies, you know? So, um, so I mean, I liked it more probably from that standpoint Mm -hmm. than anything else. Um, but also because the, you know, the Martian Manhunter thing, it was, it, it, it surprised me. Like Mm, there was, um, you know, even though everything was new in terms of like twists or surprises, of course there wasn't that much, but that was one of them when, cause I thought that was, Martha Kent when she, mm. you know, who first right. went in to, to talk to Lois. So yeah. when he came out, I'm like, Oh, Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah. um, so I liked that. And then, uh, the nightmare scene. Yeah. I liked that too, because I was interested to see what is going to be, you know, what, what does this, this Jared Leto Joker, what, what's he yeah. going to be like? Um, the one thing that, that did kind of, frustrate me a little bit in but I, I mean i know this is just where the the story's been going for ever since batman v superman is like 
dark Superman again, where I'm like, oh, right. How many times, <laughs> how many times do we have to do this? And like, then is the next movie just going to be like him doubting him? If, if there is a next movie of him doubting myself, like, will I destroy the world? Should I be Superman? And so like, it worried me in that sense of like, oh my gosh, are we going to spin our wheels again with this? But I, I tried to just put that aside. Um, and enjoy the, the the Batman Joker interaction, um, I, and I did enjoy it, I, not quite as much. I keep hoping for like, you know, I guess I was hoping for something like still more distinct from the Ledger Joker, mm-hmm. um, and I mean it was it was it was different, um, but it, it still wasn't it like it didn't just wow me like I enjoyed it I enjoyed the interaction there and I felt like it was you know he put uh, a little bit of his own sort of spin on it and stuff um, so I'm glad we got that and I'd I'd, I'd be very curious to see you know if there somehow ended up being a miraculous sequel um, what he did with that character over the course of a movie and why Batman has him there helping in the first place because you know what does Joker really bring to the table against Superman right. um, so yeah but I, I I liked it I was glad we we got I was I, I was kind of hoping um, yeah I think they just had that that line for the trailer as like a fan service thing where it's like we live in a society and and that ended up i guess not being in um in the movie itself but yeah there were there were little moments within that that i really liked about uh you know him him pulling the card and you know talking about uh batman sending a boy wonder to do a man's job and 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 this that and the other um also liked how Batman's like, you know, be be very careful with what you say next. And then Joker's just like, nah, you know, I'll just <laughs> yeah. whatever. I'll just say whatever I want. Yeah. Um, but also then then did kind of chuckle too, where they're standing like out in the open in the middle of this desert on this part of broken freeway. And and then all of a sudden they're like, he found us. Like somehow Superman, like how could he have felt like guys, you're standing out. There's like nothing else around you. It probably wasn't that hard. So I did, I did kind of chuckle at that, but, uh, no, I mean like at that point I had enjoyed the movie and I'd forgotten, like, you know, I, I had enjoyed the movie enough that I'd kind of forgotten that we were going to get a Batman Joker scene. And so when that first started, I'm like, Oh, Oh, here it is. So yeah, this was all just like for me, kid in a candy store sort of thing where I've been psyched about this movie for a while just to hate watch it. And then I actually got something that, um, you know, I ended up kind of loving. And so by the end, I'm just like, yeah, all right. Yeah. Keep it going. Give me what else you got. Just throw everything at me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Martian Manhunter real quick. I, 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 yeah, I was surprised by that. I thought that was really cool. Um, I liked that they made it somebody who was tied to the universe already, you know, um, um, the, the general from man of steel. And, um, I thought that was a great, um, that, that was a great little uh, Easter egg there. Um, his second scene with Bruce Wayne felt very, Nick Fury, Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to you about the Avengers Initiative kind of thing. Um, yeah, and so I was like, oh, okay. Um, 
but I like Martian Manhunter anyway, so it's fine. Um, I really liked the nightmare scene. Um, I'm torn. In my mind, I'm just treating that as like, since there may, yeah, there probably will be because this is turning out to be really successful. But um, I imagine there wasn't intended to be a Blu-ray release or something of this. I'm, I'm treating that scene like it's a bonus feature or something mm-hmm. um, in my mind right now because I, I don't want to see a whole movie about the nightmare plot um, unless unless Justice League 3 per se or 2 or whatever it would be comes after a Flash movie that ends with Barry creating Flashpoint and that's a Flashpoint reality. So where mm. you know that everything has gone wrong and it's not because Darkseid came back and had an Infinity War moment where he won and this is like Justice League Endgame or something. Um, maybe I could tolerate it that way. Um, but I really did... I just enjoyed I just enjoyed seeing this version of Leto's Joker and, and Affleck interact yeah. just mm-hmm. just to, just so I could see it happen. Yeah. And I feel kind of like watching that scene that that's all that was about in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Was trying to give us that since, you know, you didn't get it in Suicide Squad and Affleck has retired from being Batman and Leto's Joker was what it was. Um before this um and that that sort of repartee they had back and forth was really pretty really uh really good and um it was nice that feels like a weird compliment given the gravity of the scene but i appreciate them finally like sort of addressing robin Mm -hmm. like and that joker apparently was the one who killed him you know Mm -hmm. um and his taunting of Batman, what I did not expect to see coming was Batman to fire back at him that he killed Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. Um, and that um, I just love that exchange so much because you never, well, I say never, the, 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 the most recent iterations of Joker never show him really um, unsettled, like he's not in control. Mm-hmm. Um, even he, at best, at worst, he's like, he's not in control, but he's somehow psychotically convinced that he still is, you know, because, yeah. because he's crazy. Um, but when he says that about Harley, like he just freezes for that moment and it's like he's battling with his will whether to lose his cool, but evaluating that if I do that, then that means I'll give him the satisfaction of seeing me act like a human, you know, or something um, to show him that I actually preserve even the slightest amount of humanity. And so when he retracts after that and he goes, you almost had me, um, I do love the psychotic weird relationship in, in a lot of the Batman Joker mm-hmm. series where I only really, only really saw it. I know, I know it, it has existed before this, but you really only saw it come to the forefront forefront with Bale and Ledger, but going on here where he's like, um, where he tells Affleck, he's like, I'm your best friend. 
<laughs> like you're not going to yeah. kill me. And, and that is a sort of weird, there is history in the comics of that, of Joker, you know, that basically that interrogation scene from dark Knight is, 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 you know, some real Batman Joker canon where mm-hmm. Joker's like, I wouldn't want to kill you. I mean, right. then who would I have fun with, you know? like <laughs> Well, and that was, I, I'm, I think I'm misread that scene uh, because I think you're right about him like nearly losing his cool over the Harley Quinn thing. But I, I misread that because where Batman tells him that he's going to kill him, that he will kill him. And where then Joker comes back and says, Oh, you almost had me. I, I misread that as him thinking that Batman. Him meant believing that, that Batman that, actually might kill him. Batman actually might kill him. And he's oh, like, it could be no, that. you're just joking. You would never kill me. And that right. was, the, but I think it could be both, but yeah. I think, I think you're right. I think, I think you're right about that. Yeah. I think it, yeah, I think it, yeah, it, yeah, it could be either. I mean, I, I really don't want to sit through it a third time to find out, <laughs> Yeah. but, um, but, uh, you know, it, it, I, yeah, it, it could be either it could be both. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a good take on that. The the, the other thing that I, I just remembered this this was actually my favorite part of that interaction, and I just I just blanked on it, is that you know even though he's crazy, in a way, uh, you know Joker has these nuggets of truth that mm-hmm. only he can uh, sort of dole out to Batman, and he might have delivered like the most important one of the whole like movie or all these sets of movies because he says, how many alternate timelines have you created because you refuse to die? Yeah. And, and Mm. if you listen to what Zack Snyder said about the future movies, that basically ends up kind of being, it's implied that that's kind of what ends up, you know, helping change that ultimate nightmare future. And so if that's true, then Joker pointed out the one thing that's the key to saving the world. Yeah. Which which I think is just completely great. Yeah. That is great. I hate that it's super end game ish, but I I do, I do think it's great on its own merits though. Yeah. Um, But yeah, no, that is, that is great. And like also, him pointing out, I mean, they didn't give Alfred really enough time or, or the, the right kind of dialogue to flesh this out super well, I think. But but yeah, where he comes out, he's like, how many more people will you let die before you grow numb to death, you know, mm-hmm. yourself, you know, and, and uh, just the way he knows how to taunt him and stuff. It's um, it's it's fantastic. It was an incredibly well executed scene. And um, yeah, I was I was for it for sure. It was it was uh, it was great, yeah. so yeah. Um, a strangely, a strangely hopeful and optimistic movie. Yeah, yeah. never yeah. saw that coming. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. Yep. Oh man. Um, any any more um, you know, et cetera, random thoughts for um, Zack Snyder's Justice League that we didn't uh, get to cover? I just, you know, I can't help but wonder, like, what what this movie would have been, and how it would have been received if we'd have gotten it in a theater mm-hmm. four years ago. You know, like, yeah. Again, with everything that we talked about that happened to Zack Snyder, both on a personal and professional level, and how that might have changed things, but then also, 
you know, the fans and coming off of BVS and would this have really been received that much better, but having, you know, the, the, in a way benefit of hindsight of seeing what happened when the executives got together with and, and brought Joss Whedon in and tried to do something different and, and what a cluster that, that turned out to be. Yeah. Um, you know, and so then the other thing too now is, you know, we joke about how, what studios takeaways are going to be from something and now that this was, you know, seemingly hugely successful, Yeah. you know, and we joke about studios then trying to make everything then fit that model. And, and so you just wonder if they're going to be like, okay, now every movie will bring in a different director and then it'll suck. And then four <laughs> years later, we'll release a four-hour version of the original movie. Yeah. And Get ready for the Snyder Cut of Green it. Lantern yeah. starting Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, so you just you just wonder how, for better or worse, because we, we, we talked about... I mean, we're already doing that with Suicide Squad. Yeah. 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 James Gunn has taken Suicide Squad and I guarantee you it'll be better. I mean, no, no. And that no disrespect to the director of that. I can't remember his name. Is it, was it Antoine uh, Fuqua who, who did Suicide Squad remember. or David Ayer? Gosh. Maybe it was David Ayer. Anyway, well, regardless of who it was, uh, I think it was David Ayer, but I, mean, I like him as a director, but that, that didn't work. Um, yeah. And, and that's the kind of property that James Gunn obviously does well with. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see more of this coming. Um, BBS two, um, <laughs> the Snyder Cut. Um, no, it's just gonna be a real mess of timelines. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm. So, I hope they don't learn the wrong lesson from this, but right. I'm not optimistic. I can guarantee you though, if we'd gotten this movie four years ago, it wouldn't have the 96% on, no. on tomatoes from the users, yeah. because so much of that I know is just puffed up excitement mm-hmm. from, from the, the resolution of all this drama and yeah. stuff, which I understand. Um, but it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, but, but I will say like, I enjoyed this more than certain Marvel movies. Yeah. Uh, me too. I, I, I enjoyed it more than, uh, and not to just completely throw Joss Whedon under every bus here, but <laughs> I, I enjoyed this more, I think, than I enjoyed Age Age of Ultron, and I've come to appreciate Age of Ultron more since WandaVision. Um, but I still just don't love that movie. Um, yeah. And again, this this experience is colored by different things, but I just mm-hmm. I think I enjoyed this movie more than I enjoyed Age of Ultron. So. Um, you know, I, I just, I did, I, I, I kind of loved it. And it's just this weird, it's just this weird story of how it happened, you know, four yeah. years later, four hours long, yeah. four, three aspect ratio. I was, I was writing down these little things. Cause I'm thinking like, what's yes. the, what's the, we, we're, we're dealing with like lost numbers here or something, you know, like four, 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 <laughs> yeah. uh, of somehow yeah. how all this came together. Yeah. But, uh, it, it yeah, yeah. Love it. Yep. Four Nick Cave songs, you yeah. know, four, <laughs> yeah. four, four slow mo scenes of Jason yep. Momoa, you no, know, that's, taking that's his shirt 42. off and jumping yeah. into, <laughs> right. yeah, no, right. um, yeah, oh, gosh, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, crazy. I, I'm, I would, everything that Jared said, I would, I mean, I just was totally surprised with this, possibly because I had the bar really low, but I mean, it was just, 
you know, the most Zack Snyder he's ever been. Like, I feel like if you cut out any 10 seconds of this film and showed it to someone, they'd be like, oh, yeah, that's Zack Snyder. He did that. You know, like, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. so obviously Zack Snyder. But it, I was just, I was so, oh, man, I just was really impressed. And I don't know why, but it really, really affected me at the very end. Like, after, you know, Phase of Black for Autumn, it just, yeah, even yeah. though it's, it's a, it's such an interesting juxtaposition with such a crazy film, but it just really resonated. It just really hit me. Well, it really hit me. You think about the closure that this probably gives Zack Snyder because yeah. he lost her mm-hmm. when he was making the first one. Yeah. Yeah. And so to dedicate this to her, I mean, you know, films get dedicated to people we lose all the time, but, um, I, yeah, I just can't get away I can't, I can't shake this um, feeling. Do you guys just ever feel like you can feel someone's soul and and Mm -hmm. art that they make? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel, I know, you know, we joke four hours long, four Nick Cave songs, (laughs) 42 fast Mm -hmm. fashion thing. Mm -hmm. I feel, and I've seen, multiple Zack Snyder projects and I've had my things to say about them, but I feel like I've gotten the most of him in this movie than anything. I really feel like he poured himself into this. Like this was obviously it is a labor of love for him to come Mm -hmm. back to it in the first place. I was reading the IMDb trivia while we were talking earlier. Apparently he never saw the first cut. That's what he's always said. Based, based by the way, based off of the advice of not only his wife, but Christopher Nolan both mm, told him, wow. don't watch it. It will break your heart. Yeah. Um, and I can only imagine him yeah. leaving the film under those circumstances and coming back yeah. and watching that thing yeah. mm-hmm. that was created. And, um, yeah, like I really, it, it's, it, I really felt his artistry in this and I'm not trying you know, I'm not trying to over exalt Zack Snyder, but I, I will, I will give credit to any artist in any medium of art yeah. that really pours themselves into a project to the point where you can feel it when you consume it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And sometimes that maybe means in music, like in music, you take like a Bob Dylan, like he he's, he's, you know, we all know he's not the most talented vocalist, um, in music history, but, but he pours so much of himself into what he composes in music. And, and I think, you know, Snyder, you know, I've, I've made my jabs at times about his style or his storytelling and stuff, but, um, clearly the formation around this film, both the first time around and this one, the fact that this one even got to exist and what he had to overcome to get this to happen. And probably, you know, after losing his daughter to see this, this, this groundswell of support for people to, to demand that he get another chance to do it. You know, I'm, we joked about it at the beginning of the episode and what our expectations were and stuff, but really to be in his shoes and see the world that, that supported him prior to that for better or worse clamor for him to get a shot to tell the story he wanted to tell and how seriously he had to have taken that responsibility given what we got um to end that with that sort of bow of dedicating it to his daughter i think it it just carried more weight than what you normally see um it was like it was like seeing 
Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and mention Chadwick Boseman at the mm-hmm. end, you know, mm-hmm. or like um, uh, Into the Spider Verse mention Stan Lee um, at, at the end. Like it's just um, really these these stories that that um, really come to life and for Zack Snyder's Justice League just um yeah it's super long but there's not i wouldn't say that there's any wasted time in it yeah you could probably cut it down and it would still be good um but i don't think he wasted anything in there you know um everything did work to serve a purpose like which which you couldn't say about the first iteration of this film. Uh, there were, there were plenty of useless things in that first iteration and it was a lot shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, um, I, I give him credit for that and I hope genuinely hope that he, um, feels satisfaction with what he made and, um, that, that this was cathartic for him because it really is kind of a cathartic viewing, especially if you think about all that stuff while it's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, he, 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 um, I'm just so ama- amazed is a strong word, but I'm just so surprised that <laughs> he created such a thoughtful thing. And like, I mean, that sounds like a backhanded compliment. And I don't mean it like that. I just, you know, you think your action directors do your action stuff, you know? And that's fine because mm-hmm. there's a place for that in in the movie universe. Um, but you know, I'm not expecting that this turn of of vulnerability and 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 um, heartwarming storytelling and resolution and triumph and all this stuff from this from such an emotional place from somebody like him. So um, I give him credit for that, um, yeah. and I'll I'll remember this this movie um for sure um i think it's part of the reason why i kind of hope he doesn't do another one because <laughs> i don't want this feeling to go away when i think of him you know what i mean like um but listen i i um if you have listened followed our podcast in any way shape or form you know i'm a big fan of being proven wrong when uh when it comes to having low expectations and something really coming and overperforming and uh, this thing definitely <laughs> overperforms yeah, so absolutely. I, I, I mean, I, it might be, I, I was thinking, I, I looked up a list of his movies because I wanted to see if anybody agreed with me. Um, because I was thinking in my head, like this might be my favorite overall Zack Snyder movie, or at least the one that I think like is objectively the best because Watchmen had some great parts to it, but I felt like Watchmen was, the parts were greater than the, the whole, um, man of steel. I liked, but we, we discussed those frustrations, you know, Batman V Superman. We, we, we talked about that and actually a couple of the things, the little, you know, for, for whatever it's worth, maybe it's a half step above like a Buzzfeed poll or something. Um, but the, they, they did like, they agreed and they, they ranked it as his, his, his best movie. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, I think one of the last things I, I wanted to say was I, bef- right before we came on, I just happened to see on YouTube this little thing, like six minute long video. I'll, I'll send you guys the link. 
but it was like the making of Zack Snyder's Justice League, which, by the way, I would be down for like a longer version of that. Like if they happen to send like a documentary crew out oh, to, to do this too, yeah. sign this me up. This is a for... documentary dying to be made. Tell yes. the story. Like yes. I would love to hear that story and get shoot. Go out on it. Bring bring Ray Fisher into it. Yeah. Bring give me every element of it. I'd I'd watch it. I'm not in one sitting probably, um, <laughs> like I did this, but I'd, I'd watch it. You know, exactly. I, I'll say this. I think when I'm thinking about all the stuff, all the properties that he's directed, um, you mentioned Watchmen, um, Man of Steel, BVS, and he did 300 as well. Mm-hmm. In terms of live action entertainment, so including television and film. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Zack Snyder has ever been at the helm of the definitive version of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I prefer the HBO series of Watchmen to the film. Um, there are other iterations of uh, uh, there are other iterations of Superman that I prefer to Man of Steel, Batman v Superman. Well, we talked about that already, but in terms of a live action Justice League today. Granted, there's not a lot of competitors, but there are some. I'd say he's he's got the definitive version of a live action Justice League. Um, I know there's an animated series out there and stuff, so I won't you know say that. But and again, there's not a ton to to contend with. But as it stands right now, I think if I think of a live action Justice League, this this cut of it is the one that I'm going to measure it against going forward. Um. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and and to finish off on that, this little this little six minute um, making of Zack Snyder's, Snyder's Justice League, it ends with Jason Momoa just very honestly saying that out of all the people he's ever worked with, Zack Snyder has the most qualities that he has like committed himself to trying to emulate going forward with his life. I was like, wow, that's, huh. that's a statement to make, but he seems completely, you know, just this earnest, honest comment about it. That's pretty, yeah. that's pretty amazing. You know, I, yeah. I mean, and listen, maybe he's just growing as a filmmaker too. You know, I don't think yeah. we, we, we don't allow for a lot of that in our world. Right. Once once you've been trademarked into a certain type of category, that's like who you are in the public eye. And there's no room for growth, no room for grace and all that. Obviously, he has he has evolved even in the slightest bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, if he continues to, who knows what do you do? Would it be amazing if we get around to the fantastic four in the MCU Well, not the fantastic four. Cause that's already been announced, but like the X, what if we, what, what, what if we get around to the X-Men and the MCU and it's directed by Zack Snyder? Like, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, on this trajectory, I know, I know I'm kind of speaking crazy talk now, but, but I mean, but you know, you know, if you told me back then, even back mm-hmm. at Batman v Superman, that I'd be saying this about his his sole vision mm-hmm. of the Justice League, I'd be like, "You're crazy, absolutely yeah. not, no right. way in the world." So if I get me wrong about that, who knows? Maybe there's even more he can do. Well, that, that's kind of like what he said, like when asked about, you know, if if there, you know, what was the realistic possibility of sequels going forward, 
and he's he's kind of simultaneously said, you know, they haven't contacted me about it, haven't haven't shown any interest whatsoever. Um, I won't quit advocating for it, but I don't think it'll happen. But he made a very good point. He said, what's more likely that a sequel would get made to this or that they would let me do basically a whole new version (laughs) of a four-year-old movie, you know, and, and pay for, you know, reshoots and all this stuff and, and, and launch it as, as kind of the marquee thing for this streaming platform, which of those things is more likely. And when you think about that, it's like, Oh yeah. 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 (laughs) Maybe. You know, I, I'm not trying to wrap us up too quick, but just to tie it in. So next week, you know, we'll be jumping into WandaVision to do a whole retrospective of that and um, to kind of wrap up um, April, not April, March, whatever month we're in. Um, and, you know, uh, WandaVision, for example, dominated social media conversation every mm-hmm. week that it came mm-hmm. out. And the Snyder Cut, the J- Zack Snyder's Justice League, came out a day before or two days but a day before the debut of Falcon and the Winter Soldier which mm-hmm. by the way on its own merits is a great series and is shaping up to be another huge hit for Marvel on Disney Plus but all weekend long the dominant social media conversation has been on Zack Snyder's Justice League and yeah. not and not as the butt of jokes and memes either no. like um and has- on its own merits yeah, the hashtag, the, the popular hashtag now is Restore the Snyderverse. Restore the Snyderverse, yeah. I mean, listen, <laughs> it would be fun, you know, and, and that, and narratively speaking, you have you have it teed up. Warner Brothers needs to realize someone needs to get a meeting in there and to say <laughs> everything is teed up to hit the reset button with just one word, flashpoint. Like, Mm-hmm. That's exactly what that thing, what that storyline does is it resets everything. You know, it's, it's, it's this really trippy superhero. It's a wonderful life kind of thing. Like it's, it's just so it's just, just, it, it has the, it, it's a giant reset button and, and mm-hmm. they can do that if they really want to. Um, there's a lot of moving pieces for sure, but Hey, this thing's getting a lot of good press and goodwill. So if they can monetize it, they'll keep moving. Yeah. So, well, um, any any final words um, before we put a cap on this discussion of a four-hour <laughs> product? Just that, uh, you know, maybe 2021. I don't want to speak too early. Don't you say it out loud, man. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to risk it. I'm going to risk it and say maybe 2021 is going to be a good year. You know, we, we're... we're We've got some stuff flowing in, in, in the right direction here, but, um, yeah, I think this is just one more, one more thing. Um, I, my, my thing for anything that seems impossible going forward is like, look, Donald Trump became president of the United States and got like half of America to worship him like a God. I think almost anything's possible. And I just wonder if like Zack Snyder has embraced that sort of mentality that I have, or if, you know, whatever, <laughs> regardless, this is, or, or, the, or if this should just be added to that mentality of Z- Zack Snyder got to create, recreate a four-year-old movie that was not well received. And now people 
love it. And yeah, so just, hey, follow your dreams. Reach for the stars. Really? I mean, sky's the limit here. So um, really, stranger things have happened, I suppose. (laughs) Who knows? what kind of news we'll be dealing with by the end of the year. I mean, I mean, even by the summer, if we, you know, have an announcement at that point, it would be wild. You know, by the time we're talking about the Mortal Kombat movie on this, probably, you know, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or the, uh, the matrix, um, (laughs) reboot cool or whatever it is. Oh, all right. Well, I think it's as good a time as any to to tie this thing up and, and send you guys on your way. Thank you for joining us again this week for a cut above our our visitation on Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, if you have some time or um, want to make the time, it's a it's a long sit, but you know if you if you are any way remotely interested in this property, it's it's worth your time to invest in. Uh, it's available on HBO Max. And uh, so check that out. Uh, please join us next week. We'll be uh, talking about WandaVision, revisiting that series now that it has concluded and moved on. And um, I'm sure lots of nice, upbeat discussions about grief and sorcery. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, but for now, uh, feel free to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a rating or a follow. Let us know if there's anything you'd like us to cover in the future. And until next time, Keep working on your night cheese.